man, I am so good at not hitting the button on time. Bro, it's still better than what Doug and I have been doing the past three weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been able to do it. So I'll, I'll give myself a little a little pass there. Welcome back, Bug. Long time no see. How's it going, guys? Happy to be here. Dude, I'm happy to have you back. Yeah, we have all three of us, finally, for another episode of the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. It's been literally like three weeks since that's happened, so it's a good time. Uh, we still have some college stuff to talk about. We still have some NFL stuff to talk about, as in previews for the upcoming season. But we have a ton of news today as well. And That's, that's I, an understatement. I would say we need to get rolling here. Uh, if we want to have any chance of making this like a two and a half hour show today. So, Jesus. <laughs> but I still have to start us off with something interesting. Uh, I just found that there is a mullet championship. Um, literally, it's a whole organization. If you're mulletchamp.com, you can vote on your favorite mullets. Right now, the Children and teens are up for votes, and if you have a mullet, you can register. You have until this Friday, I think. So if you're listening to us live, here's your chance. But uh, this is amazing, and if you can go to mulletchamp.com and see any of these mullets, it is so incredible. I love everything about this. Well, I kind of want to throw this out here. You know, I know we normally start with the NFL, but I figure, why not do a little... uh show of why Texas yes. has been hurt for the past several years. <laughs> Thank God. I'll full screen that. Oh, this is just the worst thing I've ever seen. Everything about it is so terrible. For our audio listeners, this is a, a stampede of Longhorns. Going through Austin, Texas, just down the street, to some of the worst music of all time. Statues of Ricky Williams all coming to life. (laughs) And they're zapping the Longhorns into these, like, matadors running onto the field. (laughs) And that is why. Guys, I just want to say, I figured out where EA got their game developers. It's the same people who created that. That no, animation no, team no, needs to I don't be want to hear it again. <laughs> that was that's all kinds of awful. And uh, yeah, audio listeners, you're just gonna have to come watch the stream back on Twitch, or uh, you know, let us know if you think we should just start putting these on YouTube. We have a YouTube, we haven't used it for anything, so eh, maybe this will be maybe this will be worth Facts. it. Facts. Uh, yeah. But also, if you're an audio listener, you just got saved from watching one of the worst videos of all time, which was legitimately played before Texas home games for quite some time there. So, um, thank goodness Daryl K. Royal Stadium is already out of a bracket because this would have eliminated them for sure. Yeah, facts. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. It absolutely would have. But what do you guys say? I think we should go ahead and jump into some NFL news. I mean, I mean I'm ready for it. I've been ready for it. Uh, you know, can't can't be any worse than anything we're just endured. So, well, well, you see, you say that, but then you remember 
that it's preseason week one is now in the books. Uh, and there are some headlines out of it. Uh, for instance, Dolphins rookie head coach Mike McDaniel uh, is in midseason form already after icing the Buccaneers kicker on the final play of the game to win the game in preseason week one. But that's not the only one. Uh, speaking of kicks, guys, Justin Reed, the safety that is, hit a point after touchdown, a PAT for the Chiefs there. Uh, and then and then Matt Ariza made his presence known in the NFL, bombing an 82-yard field goal. Uh, not field goal, I'm sorry, 82-yard punt. That would have been um, very fucking impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive either way. That would have been the lead of the show, and I would have been mad at you for not leading the show with that. Right. I, I will say this. If you broke the NFL record by, like, 15 yards. <laughs> I don't care if it's preseason. I, I will say this. To anybody out there saying, oh, it was only 62 yards net, or it was still a touchback, no, no one cares. My dude kicked it from his 18-yard line. And cross the end zone line. That is almost unheard of in the NFL. Actually, I think it is unheard of in the NFL. What, what do you guys think about this? I mean, it'd be really impressive if he could do this like more than once every so often. I'll try to string a couple of those together and we'll talk. <laughs> I think he'll. I, uh, I think he'll rein it in. I mean, he's definitely going to have better coaches and better facilities on an NFL squad than he did at what San Diego State. I mean, I mean it, maybe. But but picture this, and this is the point I want to drive home. You're at your, what, 29-yard line because a punt long snap is 11 yards. So you're at your 29, you snap the ball, and all of a sudden they're starting their drive at their own 20. To me, whether that's a touchback or not, you are flipping the field in a way that is just obscene, to be honest with you. I think you misunderstood what I said. Because half the time he does I, that. I know, I know what half, you're saying. I know what you're saying. Half the time though. he shoots it and they'll start at the 50. So it's <laughs> there's a reason he wasn't the first punter off the board. I mean, these are facts. <laughs> now, unfortunately, we arrive at the worst part of the show in the preseason. Uh, there were a couple big injuries. Uh, the Browns have lost center Nick Harris. The Bucks have lost center Ryan Jansen. Oh, by the way, the Jets, not only did they lose Mekhi Becton, now expected for the season with a knee fracture, uh, they also lost Zach Wilson, at least for week one is what I'm seeing here. Uh, maybe a little bit beyond. He just had knee surgery. Guys, this is terrible all the way around. What do, what do you guys think? Is this a reason to shorten the preseason further? I don't know about that. I would say... Football is a physical game, physical sport. Uh, you're going to get hurt eventually if it's in preseason or regular season. I don't know if that really changes the equation for these guys. What matters more is making sure that there are measures in place to do as much as possible to prevent non-contact injuries. Uh, and the Bears are not doing yeah. a good job of that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's a perfect transition. There you go, Ben. You you have um, this. All you. Yeah, you know, everybody yeah. can play. I, I don't know what the NFL needs to do 
And if you can't see from these pictures how bad the field is, I've got one more for you. This is what the this is the field they played on. This is a pregame image. All right. Now, obviously, I found this and heard about this because I'm a Bears fan. But the issue here is this is a grass field, and there have been a multitude of players saying, "Hey, we don't want to play on turf anymore because it's dangerous." How is this not dangerous? And right. I, I've said it several times about Soldier Field in particular that they're throwing sand on the field to fill holes and cover, you know, cover different things up by the end of the year because it is hard to maintain grass in the north in Chicago like that. But Green Bay does it. So I, I don't know if this is just specifically a Chicago problem. I think it is. And, oh, by the way, uh, I don't know that Soldier Field is going to get much better. They have two concerts at Soldier Field on the field where, where you would have a concert. Before their uh, before their home opener on uh, September 11th, this is this is only going to get worse for the Bears, and I can't imagine for a second why they wouldn't want to stay in Chicago and why they're considering Arlington Heights. Like this is uh, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why you want to do it. This is such a beautiful playing surface. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat one thing here, and I know this just from uh, c- certain life experiences of mine. Uh, for concerts on the field, because they happen all the time. Uh, for instance, uh, Gillette Stadium's actually having Kenny I've... Chesney on. Not next week, but the week after. What I'm getting at is any any stadium worth their salt, and I'm not saying Soldier Field is. I would hope that it is. They do. I went to the Blackhawks rally in 2015. They put shit down over the field, plates and all that. But it's the putting down and taking up that's still going to tear up the field. Like that's that, That's just how it is. That shouldn't damage too much however that being said usually when you do that the playing surface is already in good condition not a useless condition that it's in right now this is how the city of chicago gets sued and ask st louis about that because reggie bush sued the city of st louis because of their crappy turf in the dome uh he sued him over the concrete ring of death around the turf it wasn't the actual that's surface. fair but this this is more important. We didn't really talk about it with Zach Wilson. He had a non-contact injury. And I'll be honest, when I saw Odell Beckham Jr. go down in the Super Bowl, that looked bad immediately. Yep. Mm-hmm. It looked like the turf monster just got him. It just looked like he tripped. I never – obviously, when he got up slow, I knew Zach Wilson was probably hurt. I knew it wasn't – everybody was freaking out because of Zach Wilson and he's starting quarterback for a team in New York. So everybody's freaking out. Well, right, and if he goes down, they have to live with Joe Flacco. So, I mean, but haven't you heard he's elite? Yeah, he's won more Super Bowls than any of us. But I'll say this: it didn't look bad at all. And even he got off; he went off the field, but he went off on his own power. He was limping a little bit. So I get it. I do. I do get the concern. That one didn't look bad, and I'm glad it's not a serious injury. I mean, if it. Frankly, if he'd have torn his ACL and walked off like that, he'd have more respect than he does so, for Cougar Hunt. So, <laughs> so Zach Wilson's injury did not look as bad as OBJ's in in slow mo, right? OBJ's in slow mo, you you saw it and you knew immediately, like, hey, you saw the pop. You didn't see that with Zach Wilson's. That being said, in high speed, it did almost look as bad. That being said, the Jets are calling it a meniscus tear, which he reportedly has had surgically repaired this week uh, with a bone bruise on top. Now, the one that confuses repaired. me about that. <laughs> now, what can, now, what confuses me about this 
is Ben, you already said it. That was a non-contact injury. How do you how do you bruise a bone in a non-contact injury? Hitting the ground. Yeah. It's actually really easy to bruise a bone. That's fair. Uh just depends on what angle you hit the ground. Especially especially a knee when those knee pads, even right. if they're on correctly, don't do shit. Right. And so actually there was a conversation uh, with one of the new, like, medical, I don't know what we exactly would call it, one of the, like, medical researchers the NFL has hired very recently. And he was talking about the knee pads were actually not designed to protect the knee at all. They were designed to cushion the blow of when a knee hits a helmet and right. try to reduce concussions. So if, if, even if your knee pad is on your knee, your knee is fucked if you hit the ground the wrong way. <laughs> so, I mean, I I remember the first time I put on football pads, I was like, this isn't going to do shit right. for me. Yeah, right. no, knee, pad, knee pads are trash. Uh, and that's why a lot of even high schoolers don't wear them now. Um, and it's an emphasis item in the state that I will be repping in this fall. Emphasis items are the best thing ever. We got a comment here oh, from dude. Mike Tackett on Facebook. So when I was a beer guy at Nationwide Arena in Columbus, they used plates similar to puzzle pieces to cover the ice. When they had Country Fest at Ohio Stadium, the same process was used. Yeah, that that's exactly what's going to happen at Soldier Field. I just have zero faith in it, right? I, I, I've been on that surface when they've covered it, and with what they did and how the field looked already, I, I have zero faith it's going to be effectively right. done. Anyway. Right, the bigger problem is you can already tell big portions of that field are already sand. Like, that's brutal. You can't start the season like that. You, you can't start the season in mid-season form, is what the issue comes down to. By the end of the season, you're going to be playing in a sand dune. So, yeah. good luck with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing, really. Alright, guys. I'm going to move us on here. In uh, the other sad news of preseason football, um, Roster cuts are happening, which means half of the Bills team is now unemployed. Uh, And there's tons of players, the mid to low level players that are just being moved out, left out for left out to dry. Like, however you want to put it, there's a lot of guys that are losing their their jobs or if you want to look at it the right way is not earning their spot. Uh, And it it puts everybody in a a tough spot. Uh, What names have stuck out to you guys that have now are are now in the unemployment line looking for work? Uh, I don't care about anybody who's been cut so far. I'm just being brutally honest. That's the big, fair. The big cuts happen a couple of weeks from now. It's just something we, we're going to have to start keeping on top of because the waiver wire is going to get loaded up. Yep. And, yeah, it's going to be – there's there's always a couple of very unexpected cuts. Every single year, there's a few wild, unexpected cuts. So I can't wait to see what those end up being. But that won't be for another couple of weeks. If anything, I'm happy that these guys got a shot in the preseason, which is ultimately why the preseason exists. Right. And, hey, all these XFL teams, they just got a little bit more tape on some guys that will likely be heading their way. And we'll talk more about the XFL later yeah. in the show. All right, moving right along. Uh, we have a trade. We have a trade alert coming down. Uh, J.J. Ortega, White, uh, Whiteside, has been traded to Seattle. Uh from the Eagles, and in return, the Eagles get Ugo Amdi? Amadi. 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 Man, that was an easy one. I know. That was Come an on. easy one. 
Well, look, look, he threw me off when he had the pronunciation for one in here, but not the other. Because Amadi shouldn't need a pronunciation. It's so Damn. simple. Everybody has pronounced, been pronouncing it Arsega Whiteside for about five years at this point. That, right. That's probably how I would have pronounced it. Right, that's, I exactly. Mean, that's how everybody's been pronouncing it. It's uh, That part of his name is Spanish. It is Arthega. But anyway, uh, yeah, Ugo Amadi is a really young defensive back. I am interested to see what he can do in Philadelphia. Uh, J-A-W? I know nobody has a catchy nickname for him yet. J-Jaw. J-Jaw. Is really going to help this. Yeah, it does suck. But he's really going to help the Seahawks because they are running into some depth problems, losing a couple of their roster filler type receivers already to some injuries. So at least in the beginning of the season, I would expect to see this guy on the field actually quite a bit. Like your top tier guys are still there. We would have heard about that for sure. But when you're losing your last year's fourth round pick and a couple of you know free agent signings that were under the radar, it's this is a sneaky good trade for the Seahawks. I just still have no idea who's going to be throwing on the ball. So <laughs> good good luck with that. Well, it's not going to be Drew Locke who has been uh, sat for two weeks with COVID. Um. The next trade that is in our preseason acquisitions. Uh, Doug, your Tennessee Titans have acquired Tyree Gillespie from the Raiders. And in return, Las Vegas gets a 2024 conditional seventh. Uh, talk about a trade of, of, frankly, nothing across the board here. I, I don't know what you guys feel, but a conditional seventh, which has very little value. Uh, for, for Tyree Gillespie, what, what, what do you guys think? <clears throat> yeah, second-year player, similar to Amadi. Uh, Gillespie played for Missouri, and I remember him being somewhat of an interesting mid-to-late-round prospect. I don't remember him being a great mid-to-late-round prospect. <laughs> so obviously couldn't hang on with the Raiders. The issue with that situation, though, is the Raiders right now actually have a surprising amount of depth at safety. And the Titans, we don't. They probably have three guys that they know they can lean on. So this gives them a shot at a really young guy with some potential. Makes sense for both sides. Again, we're talking about some low-level trades, though. All right, moving on uh, to the second-to-last piece of news here for the NFL. Derwin James, um, we just talked about a bunch of mid to low level guys getting cut. Um, he's definitely not one of those, as he is now uh, the highest paid safety in NFL history, signing in a, a four year extension, uh, averaging nineteen point one million a year. Uh, he gets twenty nine million in the first year. Oh, and forty two of that con, forty two million of that contract's guaranteed. Guys, the holdout is over, or the hold-in, or whatever you want to call it. What yeah. do you guys think of this? That is a very front-loaded deal. Wow. Pay <laughs> him while he's young, pay him while he's high, right? I mean, it makes I sense. Guess. Better than uh, what some other guys around the league are getting, and offers they're getting. I'm not, I'm not going to belabor the point there. Uh, I do want to touch one last time 
on this uh, this field turf versus grass debate. We've had it on the show, or maybe at least in our chat before. Uh, we definitely we had, it. had it in bracket time. We've had we've had we, a big discussion. We talk about it every couple it, episodes. Seems like <laughs> yeah. And and before we get to this last story, Michael Mike Tackett again from Facebook will uh will see see what he has to say here, and we'll move on. And hey, who knows? Maybe we'll have a longer, uh, more in depth discussion on this topic on the show uh, in the future sometime. Mike Taggett says, growing up when field turf was being introduced, it was so much better than grass, according to the studies. Now studies suggest grass is safer than turf. It's a generational battle, preseason, regular season, postseason. Injuries are inevitable. Like Dan Campbell said last week on Hard Knocks, day one is the last day you'll ever be 100% until the year is over. Now here's the part where I really get intrigued, and I hope I don't derail us too much, but the current CBA and restricting practices certainly isn't helping, in my opinion. Now, pre, I, I agree with you. Preseason, regular season, postseason. Who cares? People are going to get injured. It's yeah. it's part of the game. We we said as much earlier. I remember in 2020 when we didn't have a preseason and everybody was complaining about the injuries at the start of the season. Right. And everyone was complaining that they weren't in shape, they weren't conditioned, and frankly – the product on the field wasn't good. So do we, I, I don't know what the answer is. And obviously, you know, you, you do more work, you put more work in. These guys are, you know, early to early twenties to early to mid thirties. The older you get, the harder it is to repair your body, to heal, you know, bounce back quicker. Is more practice better? Is it worse? I mean, there's, there's a ton of stuff going into this. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a good answer so, to any of this. So, so to Mike's point here, there there is an argument for light contact practices, right? You need you need more of the stretching. You need more of the running. You need more of the – you need to get your body moving. Uh, the contact stuff that the teams don't want to take the risk in, you can even up that a little bit from what they do into hitting pads every day, right? Going full pads – and then working against dummies. Like, that stuff is actually worth it. A lot of what the NFL's practice rules are, I think they get one day of full pads practice a week once the season starts. Less than that. Yeah. Like, that's... <laughs> well, full pads, yes, but full contact, it's like... Exactly. You, you get, like, six a year. It's something exactly. really small. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, th- there's points here, because the worst thing you... The last thing you want, you're right, preseason, that's bad. Regular season, that hurts. And then postseason, you gave it your all. The last thing you want at any stage of the season is somebody to get hurt in practice from a contact injury. So it's, this might it's be the non contact really, stuff. This might be a really cop out answer. At least it's going to sound like it, but I believe it to be perfectly accurate. The real answer is going to be dependent on the individual player. How many practices they need, how many reps they need in a preseason environment before their body is ready to go. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need preseason games, doesn't think he needs much practice either. Whoa, and whoa, still whoa, won whoa, an MVP. whoa. Everybody remember the first couple weeks of 2020? He looked like shit. I, the first couple weeks of 2021. So, yeah, don't get me started. He shouldn't have won last year. That's a whole that's a whole debate. So, I think all of us have hopped in on Twitter on the BDT account at some point on this topic. Yeah. Oh, he, 
most yards and touchdowns doesn't matter. It's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Yeah. Whatever. If, if you have Whatever. all of the stats in your favor, that should matter eventually. <laughs> he had a better I... passer rating. He had he threw fewer interceptions. He threw fewer passes because he had a running game. That's why. It's that simple. That means there are other players that helped him. Tom right. Brady didn't have a running game. Anyway, Whatever. my whole point was <laughs> there are some players who do need a lot of reps, and there are some players who can and should practice every single day, you know, go full on as much as possible. Yep. But that's just, that's not realistic for everybody. And most people can't handle that. And so that guy is more likely to get hurt than the player who didn't need that. And this is actually the right amount of practices for him. So it's, it sucks. I don't know that there's really a good way to solve that. I, I certainly haven't thought of it. And apparently the NFL hasn't either, but I don't think that's really avoidable. You're always going to have that concern. And so the the amount of practices, the types of practices, it just it is what it is. And teams have to work around it. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. I'm going to move us into our last very quick news story here before we move on to college. Uh, Doug, Ben, it is arguably the worst weekend of the year. Madden releases officially tomorrow. Uh, or not tomorrow, Friday. I'm sorry. Officially releases Friday. Uh, if you have early access, like uh, Ben and myself do, it has already released. Honestly, I'm not upset. Uh, generally speaking, the gameplay is a lot more fluid. I just personally, where I like Superstar mode, I hate the presentation they've used with their new face of the franchise. And at this point, I'm willing to say that 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 mode needs to go away because it's it's honestly not enjoyable by any sense of the word. Ben, what have your initials reaction been? So uh, I think I actually said this. I don't remember if I said it in our chat or if I said it to you directly. I enjoy how they've added more skill again to passing. Uh, I'm not very good at passing in the game to begin with. So it makes it tougher, but it makes it tougher for everybody. Uh, it's something people are going to have to start getting used to placing the ball exactly where you want it. You actually get a meter when you're, you know, trying to throw the ball so you don't accidentally throw a bullet pass every time. Like, there is a visual cue. Uh, so, I, I enjoy that. Um, I I bought the, the All Madden edition. And, uh, guys, I'm sorry. I'm going I'm to venture into Ultimate Team this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I will join you, sir. I will join you, sir. And uh, part of that, yeah, part of that is that's what gets the most money and updates thrown into it. I have said several times the only reason I got this Madden uh, and gave Madden a chance this season was because John Madden is on the cover of the game. So I figure might as well check out the mode they put the most money into. And I'm being fully honest, if I don't enjoy it, I will not buy it next year. So there's a decent enough chance that I won't buy it next year at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's where I'm at with Madden right now. Uh, if you want to see me struggle in Ultimate Team, go follow me on Twitch. That's all I got to say. It's not a glue-on mustache, John Turner. It is not a glue-on mustache. It's real. I considered buying Madden, and then I reconsidered buying Madden. And I will not be buying that. That's that. Well, you don't have a next-gen console, so it's not worth it anyway. He has a PC. Right. That's fair. I have I have ways to get it. Um, I 
unfortunately, I will be buying the NCAA football game uh, when that does release in 2024. You know what? Just, be, just because you brought that up, I have one thing to transition us uh, transition us to college. To my dismay, and I'm sure to Ben's dismay, uh, EA has officially announced that the NCAA 23 game or 24 game, whatever year they're going to go with when they redo it. I think it's going to uh, be 24, but it's going to release next year. That's either, yeah, that's and that's pretty standard. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be on the same engine that runs Madden. I'm sorry yeah. to everybody who's expecting uh, NCAA 14. The oh, I don't. Is, think it's going to be good. I just want to run a dynasty mode and run Coastal Carolina to multiple natties. Hell who, who yeah. Was, what team were people saying on Twitter you should you should take to the natty? UMass. UMass. Was it UMass? No, I but remember. I just there said it so and you believed particular. it, so that's the thing now. There were so many in particular. Uh, I will say uh, it, it they used the same engine back in the day, too. It just seemed like the, the NCAA the devs actually cared, and because yeah, team there wasn't were, their money maker. There were so many tweaks put into it that it didn't feel the same. It felt like a different game. I would expect it to feel the same this time because EA has given it, up. It does say it there's going to be a few tweaks. Wow. A couple of adjustments. Unbelievable. No, no yes, more than think two. About, think about how different Madden, Madden 07, for example. Think about how different it played from NCAA 07. They, were, they might as well have been two completely, two completely different companies. Right. In my opinion, at least. And John Turner from Facebook saying NCAA will not be available on PS4 or previous Xbox, so Xbox One. Yeah, that's I, correct. Um, I'll be getting it on PC, most likely. Yeah. I mean, I ain't dropping $600 on a console that's still not available when I go to buy it. I ain't getting the digital versions. Unbelievable. I, yeah. And I, I mean, <laughs> at this point, though, I, I'm not surprised that they're going to they're gonna do that. I, I think the only reason uh, games have still been coming out on uh, previous gen consoles is because of COVID and the lack of right. availability. So it's right. no surprise that this is this is happening now. Uh, just you know, it does kind of suck for some people. I, I get it. At least I still got to buy a Sniper Elite Five for the PS4. I'm happy. Proud of you. <laughs> Too bad there's nobody in the lobby for you to get all the achievements. <clears throat> no, that was that was Sniper Elite Four. Sniper Elite Five just released this year. I should be good. <laughs> the only reason I couldn't get the Platinum Trophy for Sniper Elite 4 is that I can't do the online stuff anymore because I waited like four years before I even tried. And nobody plays oh. it anymore, but it's one of the greatest games ever, and nobody believes me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we got college football news. So, <laughs> a weird little transition from the NFL, I guess. Uh, we can start with, during the Baltimore Ravens preseason game, Maryland head coach Mike Loxley came out onto the field and awarded two scholarships to a couple of walk-ons. Unbelievably, they're both punters. Two walk-on punters got scholarships during an NFL preseason game. That is exciting preseason please, action. If I've please heard of it. tell me at least one of them is an Aussie punter and the other one is a you know traditional punter. Please tell they're me it's walk-ons. They're walk-ons, so I highly doubt it. <laughs> Fear the turtle, absolutely not. Goat punters, <laughs> I, a goat probably would punt better than anybody that walked on at Maryland. I'm just saying. let's let's be real. That area of the country, they probably grew up playing lacrosse, and they just learned how to use their feet a couple of weeks ago. 
And so it's still the best punter they have on the squad. John John Turner, didn't you say kickers weren't real football players? Wasn't that you? I mean, I believe it. <laughs> anyway. Wait, wait, have you guys responded to this comment yet? Yes. Okay. Yes, we did. Did you go potty? I did. I did. Right. Good job. You didn't miss much. Thanks. Uh, so the preseason AP poll has been released. It is the same exact top five in the same exact order as the coaches poll. Seems like everybody assumes it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, and the next two in the playoff are up for some debate. There's some question marks around Georgia, even though they should be extremely talented again. They lost, I don't know, 10,000 defensive players in the first round alone. Somehow, that doesn't even make sense mathematically, but it happened. And then Clemson is maybe possibly good again. Maybe possibly not, according to Tug here. Uh, but they're coming at number four, and then number five is Notre Dame, which Paul Feinbaum is not happy about. Uh, now, I have a crazy conspiracy theory about that that I want your guys' opinion on. Uh, with Notre Dame being in the top five, this is taking away a lot of the shine from Georgia, Oregon, which is also week one. And Paul Feinbaum wants that spotlight on his beloved Bulldogs instead of Ohio State because he is an SEC homer to the max and ESPCP. Paul! Paul! <laughs> Can't handle Midwest football. That's That's the real news. I, as much as that's news, I think, you know, we only covered the top five, but the top six is really more where I want to focus my attention here. Number six in the AP is Texas A&M, and number six in the coaches' poll is Michigan. But here's Well, the six, thing. seven, eight are the same in a different order. Yeah. So there's Texas A&M, Team North, and Utah uh, for all three of them as that next three just in a different order. So... It's, it's very similar polls. Guys, we're not talking about the top team left out, at least the team receiving the most votes that didn't make it. It's Ben's favorite team. Because Tennessee has to remain relevant somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. It, it yeah. made me almost physically ill to be nice to Tennessee fans on Twitter this week. So, um, so. <laughs> they got a nice stadium, though. Can't lie about that. So, so here's my argument. Here's my argument about Notre Dame, Oregon. Frankly, I don't think either of them deserve to be number five. Um, period. That's just here's my, my take question, on it. though. Who really does deserve to be number five right now? Who deserves to be number four? I would you, say you, there's a huge drop-off between one, two, three, and then everybody else right now. And I don't disagree, but you're also sucks. not going to like my answer I, for who should be number five. If it's not Utah, there is another team that it probably should be, and I won't say that for the sake of our friendship. I mean, if you ask me personally, the ball washing for Alabama and Georgia especially, oh, they went to the college football championship. They have to be in the top four. Alabama won. They have to be number one. Ohio State went to the – Ohio State didn't go to the playoffs. Michigan did, but Michigan doesn't get the same treatment. And let's not forget the fourth team that went to the playoff and is not getting the same love. By the way, Cincinnati coming in at 23 in the coaches' poll and Houston coming in at 24. Shout out, Power 6, baby. 
Let's hey. go. Uh, all right, all right, all right. I do need to call you out here, Ben, for a second, because historically, you're a fan of if you won the national championship, you enter the next season ranked number one. I agree. I I agree. I'm not saying all they right. shouldn't. I'm not saying they shouldn't. So to you, it should Alabama, be Georgia, Bama. Alabama didn't win. That's that's what I'm saying. The ball yes. washing for Alabama, and then if they do have concerns about Georgia, who should be number one, absolutely. But if they have concerns about them, one, they should be number one. And two, if you have concerns, you had concerns about any other team that just won the national championship. Did L- was LSU number one the year after they won? No. no. It was Alabama. Were they, were they in the top four? Were they in the top five? No. no. Yeah. Cause... Ball washing for Alabama and Ohio State. I'm sorry, Doug. It's just the truth. Okay. I don't well, know. Ohio I... State's going to be really fucking good this year. Ohio so. State is going to be really fucking good. I'm not going <laughs> to. So is Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> looking at one, two. Like, they're I accurate. Mean... Damn it. <laughs> right. It, it kind of is what it is. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Notre Dame coming in at number five does make week one a top five matchup in the shoe, which is very exciting. We're very much so looking forward to that. Uh, but the, also, Notre Dame is the only team in this top five who will be breaking in a new starting quarterback. Uh, they have named their quarterback, who will be taking first team reps the rest of training camp here, and will see the field first for the Fighting Irish. We're talking about sophomore Tyler Buckner. Uh, he did play in 10 games last year as a freshman, but he only threw 35 passes, more of a running threat than a passing threat. So I have no idea how this offense is going to work for Notre Dame this year. That's going to be a wild, insane test in week one for, honestly, both sides of that matchup. Because Notre Dame's offense is going to look extremely different than it did last year, inherently, with this choice. And Ohio State's defense better step up because they could not stop the run for anything last year. And if that's all they're going to see... That might, be, that might be a problem if Jim Knowles doesn't work some magic already. So, kind of creates some very interesting storylines. What do you guys think about Tyler Buckner? I, I honestly, I didn't really watch too many Notre Dame games last year. I really don't have too much to add on Tyler Buckner himself. I do think it's going to be a good matchup. I'm going to enjoy watching it. Um, and I will judge anybody who's not watching that matchup Labor Day weekend. Big facts. I love the shrug. All right. If you raise your hands up, we can call it a Bosa shrug next time, and I'll be even oh. happier. <laughs> uh, speaking of quarterbacks, let's go down to the south. Uh, LSU quarterback Miles Brennan has retired from football after Hold on. losing the quarterback competition. Yeah, that's that's fine. Have you seen all of the NIL deals he swindled last year? Uh, no, I guess not. All right, so apparently, I, I saw this on Facebook. I don't have the actual names up because I don't have it ready to go. Um, Bad journalism. Yeah, yep. horrible. <laughs> the dude signed like three or four different NIL deals, got paid for him without playing a snap, and then retired from football. All right. Yeah, now, I'm if waiting, that ain't I'm waiting for if that Tiger ain't King. the 21st century college football, I don't know what is. Like the, the Tiger King Quinn year is about to do the same thing, or he's going to have to fucking transfer again. Because because he, here's the uh, you didn't think that fucking joke was funny when he played for Ohio State. Stop laughing. Not I'm fair. laughing at the fact that he might not play for Texas. 
not at the Tiger King shit. That so, joke is still fucking stupid. So because here's <laughs> the dirty truth like of it all. Here, here's the, here's the dirty truth of it all. No. These NIL deals can't tie to performance. They're not allowed to. Right. Because that's pay to play. So right. these guys are signing these deals. Never touch the field and win. Right. I'm that's... A-OK with this. Yeah, good on him. Get in the bag, I guess. Uh, so that means that most likely LSU's quarterback is going to be Jaden Daniels, I would have to say. The Arizona State transfer. I honestly don't know who else they have on that roster right now, a quarterback. Uh, I thought Miles Brennan was going to be stiffer competition than apparently he turned out to be. So, yeah, new look LSU offense, I guess. Uh, trying All to right. look with another transfer. <laughs> Weird transition. I don't really have a good transition to this. Uh, we're going to just know. jump into We got some slides for this. Uh, the University of Miami has new uniforms. They're calling them the Miami Knights, and they kind of have a neon thing going on. I got to say, though, this looks way more. It doesn't look like neon to me as much as it looks like if you go to any like county fair and go to those what? airbrush booths. <laughs> Those crappy t-shirts. Once you said Miami Knights, though, I definitely saw the neon in the gloves, at least. I, right. I will at least say that. Oh, right. no, there's definitely neon in the gloves. I just, every time Miami does a themed uniform, something like this, I get real upset that they don't go the pink and blue Miami Vice uniforms, which would probably kill it, especially in this exact style. You're not wrong. That would look way better. Um, but Mario Cristobal is a much bigger fan of, you know, historical relevance for Miami. Oh, and Miami he played Knights. on those national championship teams, and he's just bringing back some of the old Miami city culture back to the team. And okay, I, I yeah, whatever. You lost me. <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. any of the other? College teams release their alternate uniforms for this year because that's always a fun day. I have not seen too many. This is the first one I've seen. Fair enough. So they're coming. Get ready. Yeah, I'm sure they will. This is the first one. Uh, we got some. <laughs> we got some head coaching drama, I guess, down in University of Kentucky. Uh, John Calipari came on to one talk show and was talking about how. Kentucky is a basketball school, and they don't really care about football. And so it was a wild interview, and I don't even remember what all exactly how it was phrased, but it caused a huge reaction by the entire University of Kentucky football fan base, being like, uh, I would much rather cheer for the team that finished like third in the division last year than a team who sometimes can't even make it to the NIT. So let's get our facts straight here. Calipari hasn't been good for like a decade, I and Mark Stoops is Calipari. on the rise. I fucking so hate John that. Calipari so much. <laughs> and so for for Stoops' part, he's uh, trying to keep out of it, but that athletic director is going to have a hell of a time keeping things together. If you Here's the best part, is the stuff has been bleeding over to attacks against the University of Louisville on Twitter. Yeah. Because, of course it has, because of the right. rivalry there. And it's just, 
I don't know what Calipari's endgame was. I hope it's another NCAA investigation that fucks him up the ass. That'd be cool. I'd like for him to not coach anymore. <laughs> what I would really love to see happen is that he takes the Patino route and goes and coaches at U of L next. <laughs> even that more violations. The... Even more violations. Yes. Get that natty and get out forever. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's about the only thing he can do. Speaking of coaching staffs, if we head down to the FCS level, we can look at Jackson State here for a second. Uh, joining Deion Sanders' staff is a former NFL head coach, Mike Zimmer. Uh, just for fun, apparently. So Mike Zimmer was the defensive backs coach for Deion Sanders way back in the day. Uh, they have a long history and are close personal friends still. And now they're coaching together for Jackson State. Uh, what a freaking coaching staff Jackson Dude. State has going on down there. Dude, if they Unreal. don't have first-round cornerbacks coming out of that, that school in the next two or three years, there's some right. issues going on. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Uh, Jackson State is probably going to be good again this year. Uh, Mike Zimmer addition doesn't really change the equation for him. We're still going to be good before he got there. But, man, I, this can only help recruiting even more. And, and I'm going to add this on. There's already rumors that Jackson State is willing to move up to the FBS level, and this right. only adds more uh, credibility to that rumor. Uh, this is the type of move you make when you're looking to make that jump. You know, we we might have to go through a whole other round of wild additions and you know conference realignments. To wait for open it. Open up some space in Conference USA for, for all nope, these Nope, nope, wait for it. Jackson State <laughs> to the Big Ten. Oh, gosh. Shut your, shut your mouth. That will not happen. I wanted to end on something fun. Uh, get that taste out of our mouths. We covered Oof. this last week, though, but it's also accurate. I know, but the commercial finally tried. Oldest Crawford is finally in an air conditioning commercial. He's a cornerback or a wide receiver for Nebraska. He was uh, he played corner in high school as well. That's how I remember him. But he's a wide receiver for Nebraska, and the coldest to ever do it, Crawford is in an air conditioning commercial, and it's finally out. It's amazing. You mean to tell me that this commercial exists and you didn't put it in the slideshow? I know, but I didn't want to give out free advertising. They need to. That company needs to sponsor us as well. Look, all I'm saying is I am DeColdis' biggest fr- fan. Biggest friend. Um, yeah. Yeah, anytime he wants to come on the show, he just needs to reach out. Like, or I mean, that... I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for college, I guess. You want to go ahead and move on here? Yeah, let's do it. I want to try and hit this as quick as possible because. There's not a ton going on, non-NFL pro news-wise. There's a lot of little stories. This one's pretty big, though. From the USFL, over 50 NFL signings to date. That is a huge milestone for the league. Look, we've seen this every year that there has been a spring league. Going back to the AAF and the XFL two years ago, they produce NFL talent. I'm curious to see if this will continue as these leagues have more and more seasons, more than just the inaugural uh, which, you know, nobody else really made it through. What's most interesting to me about this is that this is essentially uh, the Spring League improved. 
and they got 50 signings. I don't know if the spring league ever was producing that many signings to the NFL. So that's, that's awesome. Good for the USFL. I, I got to say, man, I, I'm over watching empty stadiums, though, and that really hindered the product for me when it was a made-for-TV product. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see if they can do something different next year. Uh, no real news in the FCF except for Jackson Erdman, uh, quarterback for the Wild Aces in the inaugural season, the inaugural champion Dirty. of the FCF. Dirty dude. He is a quarterback for the Vienna Vikings, which we've mentioned on this show before, of the European League of Football, the Elf. And uh, currently that team is 8-1, and one, and um, looking at the point differentials, they're, they're in a good spot to make a, a run for the championship there. So he very well may take another team to a championship in a different league. I would love to see this dude get a shot at the NFL. He, he got a, uh, a pro day. At the University of Michigan, he went to D two or D three school. I don't remember exactly, and because of COVID, didn't get his his pro day. Went and played in the FCF, and then what do you know? This past year, he got a pro day shot with Minnesota or at the University of Minnesota. Didn't pan out for him, but man, if he keeps doing this, he might get his chance. He might even end up in the XFL next year. Who has now partnered with Ticketmaster, and I feel like this was a huge step towards legitimacy for them. Right, uh, you get in with Ticketmaster, they if you go to a ticket office and you don't have season tickets, it's probably going to say Ticketmaster on the ticket, right? right? That is how big Ticketmaster has gotten. I remember when it was a resale site, right? You know, now it is the official ticket partner of you name it. Almost they, everybody. They make the right. Sport. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, all you know, everybody that does resale is something completely different. Ticketmaster is the OG. This is awesome for the XFL. It's an absolute, absolute win. And Thanks. talking to, talking about players everybody loves, Marquette King, he's in, baby. So expect to see some awesome punting in the XFL. I have no idea how this dude isn't on an NFL roster again. I don't get it. Apparently, John Gruden didn't like him. So that's how it is now. <laughs> that about sums it up. <laughs> so the last time I was on this show... I was talking about how Major League Football, MLFB, MILFB, was getting ready to kick off. And uh, they were getting ready for camp. Everybody was showing up. And then, uh, what do you know, I missed two weeks. and They were no the longer first, getting ready for first, camp. <laughs> the first show I missed. They, uh, they, yeah. they sent everybody home. Um, but. Yeah. No, 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 hold on. I need to correct you. They didn't send everybody home. The hotels. The hotel. Sent everybody home. They had no money. They got evicted from the hotels. <laughs> it's just I, unreal. Look, the MILF is replacing it, the MLF, Major League Football. Uh, not to be confused with MILF B. Not to be uh, confused but, with but Zach us. Wilson's newest thing. <laughs> They're going to have 18 teams. Somehow. Across the country. Here's the here's pro- the breakdown so far of what they have. If you go to ML Major League Football Pro, they have their listing here. All right, Eastern Conference going to have New York, Rochester, Connecticut, West in Virginia north. in the north, Central, West Virginia, TBA, and Kentucky, South Alabama, South Carolina, and TBA, and then going to the Western Conference in the north, you got TBA, Sacramento, and Utah. Central, you've got Iowa, Dakota, Oklahoma. South, Dallas, TBA, TBA. 
Look, look all I'm saying is all these Tampa Bay area teams. There's quite a few of them. They've got they got a whole division where they've got one team. <laughs> yeah. It's really solid. I, and then if you look at the map on their website, none of the city markers line up with where that city is. Like at all. Kentucky, they don't, they don't Louisville. Louisville's apparently north of Cincinnati and also directly across from Indianapolis somehow. They uh, have no markers in I, any Dakota, but they have Minneapolis. Uh, right. And I, they don't have any markers really in Texas uh, where they are supposed to have teams. Oh, wait. They have Dallas one in is now in Arkansas? Okay, okay. Hold, <laughs> hold up. I, I am looking at this now where Louisville is. That's like yeah. in western Ohio. What? <laughs> That's, that's not, almost in Indiana. That that's, you're right. That's, that's no, that is in Indiana. Indiana. That is in Indiana. <laughs> and uh, Cincinnati's probably in Indiana too on this map. Oh man, this is unreal. It's due south of Michigan. Like this is. Uh, I had not even I, the state, like the lake. Due south. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You have a team in Dallas, reportedly, mm-hmm. but the. Only two cities in Texas you're going to have are San Antonio and Houston. They have Dallas. They just put Dallas in Arkansas. All right. Dallas is now north of Houston, apparently. Houston. Wait, no! no. Yeah. And Oklahoma City is directly north of those two. No. <laughs> this map is... Oh, my I, God. I was obviously misguided in believing that Major League Football and MILF-B would exist. I have no doubt in my mind the MILF will not play a single down of football. <laughs> They're and supposed to be will... starting this year. They're supposed to be starting, like, having games no, in it's a says... couple of weeks. No, it says fall of 23. Okay, hold on. It said oh, fall of 2022 for sure. I, I'm i going to share this screen. You have, to, okay. you have to see this, Travis, because I'm not going to allow you to think we're that dumb. We are dumb. We're not that dumb. This, this, this is 100% valid. This is bad. Here is San Antonio. That's not even that accurate. Houston's right. pretty accurate. This is pretty accurate. The, right. That's, that's Dallas close is enough. not. Dallas right. is not. Dallas is in the middle of Arkansas. Here's Louisville. Wait, show them Oklahoma City. Oh, yeah, sorry. right. Right, Oklahoma North. City. <laughs> <laughs> right, right north of Dallas, obviously. Well, which is of Houston. It's, they're all right next to each other. Louisville. Oh God! Please find and then LA if you go south, me. you end up in Cincinnati. That's not true. And oh, by the way, Louisville is a neighboring city to Indianapolis. In case you didn't right. know, they're right next to each other. Detroit is actually oh. in a lake up there, which is cool. Granted, like that. <laughs> hey Ben, and New, and that New York. Way. Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Go to uh, Lake Michigan here. Uh, there's there's New York. <laughs> So it wasn't New York City that's going to have a team. There's Rochester in the New York, in the north. There's Connecticut in the north, and then there's a a town called New York that's actually in Wisconsin, apparently, according to this map. <laughs> it's where. It's all right, where, hold on, hold on, guys. Guys, I I have a new one. Then go all the way west, second from the top. Not a city. No, this the one's in, just the, the whole state. state. That's good. It's good. Hey, at least they have Miami. Kind of correct. I mean, that's, that's more that's like cool. Key West. That's more all like right. Key West. All right. So they have Boston Probably and New true. Hampshire. 
They have New York in Connecticut. Basically. Oh no, that's Hartford. Yeah. Atlanta is apparently due north of South Carolina. DC is a lot more inland than I remember it being on this map. Gotta say. <laughs> oh my you, god. Have you seen you we've all seen the, the bad maps tweets, right? This one this one wins. This needs to be on there. This oh one. my god, the Oh, they do have New Orleans correct at least. Okay. Ooh, Denver feels awfully close to Kansas there. I don't know about it that. It is. That is in oh Kansas. <laughs> and Salt Lake City's probably about where Denver would have been. Denver I would have thought. <laughs> and Vegas actually looks like oh, it's in the right spot. They got ben, Vegas is about right. LA and San Diego are about right, I guess. Phoenix is about San, right, too. San Francisco is in the ocean, where it belongs. <laughs> I didn't even see San Francisco, because it blends into the white background. <laughs> this map is incredible. Major League Football is incredible. I hope we get to see it, because I doubt we will. <laughs> I don't think there's any chance I see it. Let's move on. Let's, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. God, that's so bad. I didn't realize how bad that was until I'm... God. Just awful. Thank you for making us pull that up. Whoever that was. I, I <laughs> that, was Travis. Was that. Travis. that was Travis. 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 Okay. Travis Pylon, you are yeah. a true Canadian hero. Thank you. <laughs> Eckler, Camara, or Camara, Jefferson. Okay, first of all, is Cooper Cup. 100%. Eckler, Camara, uh, it doesn't... I don't know if you guys have talked about this in the past two weeks. It doesn't look like Alvin Kamara is going to get in trouble for anything. Uh, so right. roll the dice, Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Yeah, if it's yeah, if it's a a single team league, it doesn't look like he's going to get in trouble this year. So I'd go Kamara on that. Now, if it's PPR, there's an argument for Jefferson or Cup, but, but take it, that for how you it's will. Still Cooper Cup. Yeah, yeah probably. probably because there's still. no other receiving options. So, <laughs> what do you mean? You got Van Jefferson? Oh wow, that completely changes my opinion. Well, let's talk about the NFC South, please. One of those guys plays in the NFC South, and that's Alvin Kamara. He plays for the Atlanta for the New hey. Orleans Saints, who have a the Atlanta Saints. The Atlanta Saints, nice. the best team in the league. He plays for the New Orleans Saints, <laughs> who have a first-year head coach, Dennis Allen, who was of course promoted from within after Sean Payton retired. He's probably going to be coaching high school football somewhere again, right? And, uh, or the, Saints... the Miami Dolphins. Nope, nope. We got in trouble for that one. Nope. The Saints were the second best team in this division last year, obviously behind Tampa Bay, who also have a first-year head coach in Todd Bowles, another internal hire for Bruce Arians, who also retired. Who also might be coaching the Dolphins. God damn it. You can't say that for everybody. I will say it for everybody, at least this year. At least this year. I <laughs> I find it impressive that this division is all first-year and second-year head coaches. Travis, have a good night. And, uh, yeah, I think, like I said, Major League Football, they have the best map available. Everybody go to MajorLeagueFootball.whatever. Dot pro or something weird. Pro. Yeah, it was it was bad. We'll drop the link. We'll drop the Stop link. Dot paid up. Audio oh, God, I can remember that one. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I still have somebody on the hot seat, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but obviously, we'll go. We'll we'll recage here. The Atlanta Falcons 
Arthur Smith, second-year head coach, Dave Rangone, and Dean Pease, all second-year guys, offensive, defensive coordinators. He's not special IP, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> After going 7-10 and 10 this year and losing at the end of the season in Week 18 to the New Orleans Saints, they're expected to win five and a half games, so NFL Network has them about 6-11, and 11, I think is fair to say here. Uh, really bad in the division, 2-4. and four. Same as the Carolina Panthers, who went 5-12 and 12 overall and with a 5.1 win projection from NFL Network, expecting them to go 5-12 and 12 again. They're, of course, coached by Matt Rule and offensive coordinator first year, Ben McAdoo, and then third year defensive coordinator, Phil Snow. This one's probably the most interesting makeup on the coaching staff, in my opinion. You've got a first year offensive coordinator, a second year head coach, and a third year defensive coordinator. What's I got more a lot of interesting to me is that this is only Matt Rule's second season in Carolina somehow, when it feels like he's created 14 seasons worth of drama in Carolina already. <laughs> and we'll we'll get to more on Matt Rule here in a little bit, actually. All right. Uh, All right. We already talked about first-year head coach Dennis Allen down in New Orleans. Uh, he is joined by 13th-year offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael and first-year co-defensive coordinators Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard. Uh, their breakdown is really interesting, so I'll talk about that a little bit later. They finished nine and eight last year, uh, four and two in the division, and are projected eight point four wins this season. So finishing below five hundred at eight and nine. And last but not least, division champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, new head coach, still have Byron Leftwich, third year offensive coordinator. And they also have this co-defensive coordinator thing going on here, Casey Rogers and Larry Foot, both first year guys. I don't know that I love it, but Todd Bowles being an internal hire, maybe he just wanted to hook two of his guys up. I don't what, – what am I missing with this one? This one's a little bit more straightforward than Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So, so Todd Bowles is actually a defensive mind, so he's probably pulling the Lovey Smith and actually controlling that defense more than he lets on. So I'm then, sure he is. So then, yeah, he just hooked up his two guys with his plans to call the defense. So while, yeah, there's two coordinators – which, as a Miami fan, I can tell you, does not work. Um, he turned around and is holding play calling duties for himself on the defense. Tug, are you okay after me talking about Larry Foote? Are you going to make it? Yeah. The Buccaneers. The Buccaneers it. finished. Th- <laughs> <laughs> the Buccaneers finished thirteen and eleven, or thirteen and four. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that would have been a amazing. Thirteen and eleven. That would have been awesome. Slightly <laughs> over 500, boys. Uh, We're turning this into baseball slowly, one game at a time. <laughs> they ended Carolina's season in Week 18 with a loss, although Carolina wasn't going anywhere anyway. And then uh, they lost in the divisional round to the eventual Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Almost said St. Louis, because I really want it to be St. Louis Rams. So. Uh, they are projected to go 12-5, and 11.7 wins projected from NFL Network. They are the odds-on favorite to win the NFC South again, and, I mean, why wouldn't they be? Look at what they're bringing back. This team is uh, it's impressive. I think, too, they're in a much better position with Todd Bowles than New Orleans is, excuse me, with Dennis Allen, especially when you consider that they're going to be going with a new quarterback in New Orleans as well this year. Uh, it's – are the, this is the second year with Jameis. Winston, yep. Winston's back. Yep. Back again. It's been anyway. Uh, I I 
it's pretty easy. Topol's in a better position to succeed, although I I think Dennis Allen is going to do just fine first year head coach for the New Orleans Saints as I, well. I actually think uh, Topol's is going to undersell the Buccaneers. I'm sorry. He's had two bad stints. Granted, he's probably got more talent on this roster than he's ever had, but he's just not a great head coach. I think if he's – if he's smart enough to stay out of the way of Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich and what they've got going on on the offense, that they'll be fine. Yep. Uh, this defense, the defense has too much talent for him to bring them down because he's had them performing well already. If he, if he's able to step back and just kind of, you know, manage the offense a little bit, let his guys handle it and do more with the defense, which is what I think is going to happen. I think we all think that's how this is heading. I think they'll be just fine. The, this team really just needs to stay the course. They don't have the cap problems that the Saints do, which is a big reason why I don't think Dennis Allen is in the best position to succeed this year. Well, and if you'll recall, back when Bruce Arians retired, he basically came out and said he wouldn't have put Todd Bowles in a position not to succeed. If Tom Brady actually retired, Bruce Arians wasn't going to retire because Todd Bowles wasn't ready for that. But if we leave the offense up to Tom Brady... Todd Bowles should be fine, and Bruce Arians can walk away. Kind so, of. Right. Moving on to, walk to the front office. Yeah. <laughs> moving on to the new, only new offensive coordinator in the division, Ben McAdoo. Uh, just came from being a Cowboys consultant. This is going to be interesting for Carolina, as this is going to be a very interesting year for the Panthers in general, in my opinion. Uh, Joe Brady is out the door. He is the new Bills quarterbacks coach, which is going to be equally interesting uh, up in Buffalo. How are we feeling about Ben McAdoo taking over here in Carolina? I have my doubts. I'll leave it at that. I have my doubts. He doesn't really have a quarterback. Never really had a quarterback in New York. How How do we feel about Ben McAdoo being the interim head coach by about four or five? I do not think Matt Rule gets fired by that. I don't think he gets fired that early. I think more likely Matt Rule gets traded to the Miami Dolphins. God damn it. (laughs) Defensive coordinators, like we talked about, Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard. Chris Richard was the Saints DB coach. It looks like he's going to continue being mainly focused on the secondary here. And uh, the Saints assistant, former Saints assistant head coach and D-line coach, Ryan Nielsen, he's going to handle the big dudes in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. It makes sense. I don't know if Dennis Allen just doesn't have faith in either of these guys to fully take over the defensive coordinator spot. That was his job last year. Maybe he just wants to see, you know, how they work together. And maybe if one can, you know, iron strengthens iron, get your best guy there and see who's better at just being the position coach. I don't I would, hate this. I would say, I would say more likely. Um, I'm not going to make a Miami Dolphins joke again here. Uh, it's actually. I don't believe you. I would say this is a, another sign of some of the evolving we've seen in the NFL over recent years to more co-coordinators that do different things. Like this might very well actually be a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator on defense. And there are other teams who might be going to this system shortly anyway, right? The traditional four coach setup 
is no longer a thing. You don't have a head coach, special teams coordinator, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator anymore. You have like 15 guys. You've put yourself in the best position to succeed by making sure that everyone has a level of responsibility that they can handle. They are good at. They're compensated based off of what their what level of skill they have. So making multiple defensive coordinators it's the way of the future, and it's the way of making sure you have the best coaches you possibly can. So and I, this I makes, that's, makes total sense to me. I think that's exactly what's happening in Tampa as well, with Casey Rogers being the Bucks D-line coach last year and Larry Foote being the Bucks outside linebacker coach last year. Very similar. The only difference is instead of being a DB's coach, he's, his specialty is more with the outside linebackers, but with that scheme that they run, him working with the secondary, it's it's right. it's going to go straight straight into it. It's going to work out right. great. And of course, as we mentioned, Todd Bowles getting that internal promotion, fantastic. We we praise those moves all the time. I will and, say too, building off of my point from before, you might have a situation where if you you're the Saints here, you only promote Ryan Nielsen. Say you were the assistant head coach before. You're going to retain that title and now take on defensive coordinator instead of defensive line coach. What's to say that your next longest tenured coach in that defense, Chris Richard here, doesn't say, all right, well, I'm going to go find a position where I have a chance at moving up because apparently that's not the New Orleans Saints. Like you want to retain the best talent that you can, right? So you promote both of them, give them both a raise, give them both some increased responsibility. And that way you can keep, the coaches that you like and you're comfortable with. I mean, like we said, Dennis Allen was the very safe pick for New Orleans. Right. I Who's just to say that if he doesn't work, they've got a hot trigger for Ryan Nielsen too. True. I just True. don't like the co-coordinator setup because I've I've seen it. Now, granted, that was on offense. There was a lot of mystery about who was calling the plays, and I think, frankly, it was changing every week. Uh, well, so I think it was just poorly handled. That's the issue is that it was poorly defined and poorly yeah. managed from the top. But yeah, actually 100%. having a co-coordinator set up can be very helpful. I don't think you're wrong. I will say, as I we mentioned. I don't think I'm wrong either. <laughs> Glad we, we agree. Uh, we would talk about hot seats. There's really only one. And it's only his second season as head coach. It's Brett Mule. Yeah, he's got a 5-12 and 12 record overall because that's the only season. He's only coached for one season. Matt Rule. Unreal. Man, I, I, I don't even believe that. I, I I wonder how much how much the front office and the organization hey, want ben, him going. Ben, it's going to be his third season. Uh-oh. He drafted Jeremy Chin, who's going into his third season. 2020 was his first season. E- Let's. I have it on the wiki right now. All right. 20. All right. Still. So it is either way. Season. So it it just goes to bolster your point more. So he's 10 and 23 as a head coach. Yeah. Not yeah. 5 and 12, uh, which is still not good. <laughs> so so he's effectively 5 and 12 on average. Yes. Well, which is real. 5, 5 and 11 the year before. We didn't have 17 games. Yet. I said on average. That's not the way That's that works. 5 and so 11, five, 11 and a half. Okay, what do you the do with point, a half? You round it up. You call it a half because we're precise around here. This oh is the big God. dudes in the trenches. So, 
Matt Rule, as we said up top, has created about 12 years worth of drama in three years, not two. And this is, I, I don't even know how we got to this spot. I do know that maybe trashing the one of the few quarterbacks that's ever done anything for your team that was beloved by all the fans probably wasn't a good move. Yeah. Um, I, granted, I don't know if they should have brought Cam Newton back in the first place. Um, but that's they not also shouldn't have brought in Sam Darnold. <laughs> Dude, uh, so okay. should you know brought what? In let's Stephon Gilmore. Let's go to let's go to the teams now. All right, let's okay. let's look at these quarterback rooms. We have Baker Mayfield, who was acquired in a trade for Carolina, Sam Darnold, who was acquired in a trade last year, and rookie Matt Corral. We effectively have. Two number one or two first round picks, number one and number three from what, twenty sixteen? Off the top of my dome here. Uh, twenty eighteen. Actually. Yeah. Twenty sixteen was Jared Goff. And a guy that blew out his knee and wasn't able to play like the last five weeks of college. Yeah, but he threw for a whole bunch of yards when he was there. It's, <laughs> In that lane uh, kiffin offense. Translates to the NFL perfectly. We know that from experience. The only the only quarterback room that I think <laughs> might be worse is Atlanta, and that's uh, Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, and Felipe Franks. I I kind of. All right, so here's here's my take on this. I would I would take Baker Mayfield over Marcus Mariota right now, but I would definitely take Mariota over Darnold, and I would take Ritter over Darnold as well. So I still think it's like pretty. I. I have a lot of questions about Desmond Ritter based on how to how it's not even that he wasn't playing playing the best competition, right? It's how some of his balls come out. Right. That is that is the biggest question. Honestly, I'm a little surprised that Felipe Franks isn't going to be above him in the depth chart. I get it. It's Um, not a good look when you really don't have a solid starting quarterback and your, what, second-round draft pick isn't going to be the backup? Jake, are we just going to keep brushing over the fact that the Saints are rolling with Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton? Oh, we were going to get there. We were going to get there. I I would take Baker Mayfield over Jameis, and I'd probably take Mariota over Jameis. You're getting the same thing. The only difference is Baker wins games with it. You're ignoring the fact that the last time he played a full season, he threw for over 5,000 yards and actually had a decent touchdown interception. He went... Last season, he got hurt, and so everybody hates on him. No, the last season Winston played was the last one that he went 30 for 30. That is not true. Not who it's talking about. That is not accurate. So, it, go look at his stats right now. Pull him up For right Jameis now. Winston? That's, yes. Do it right now. Go to Pro Football Reference, pull up Jameis Winston. He's better than you remember. James Winston, I would take James Winston over Baker Mayfield right now. Yes. I would take Andy Dalton over Baker Mayfield, if we're being honest. The only problem with Andy Dalton is the same problem you have with James Winston, and that is I'm worried they're going to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, tell you who I would take over anybody, though, is Tom Brady. So, okay. so, so you're right. We're both right. He went over 5,000 yards, but he went 33 for 30. I mean. When your, inter- when your touchdown ratio is 5.3%, your interception ratio is 
It, it's a fifty. It's the same as Trayvon Diggs. It's a fifty-fifty okay. ball. It's either going the other way or it's six. So last year before he got hurt was twelve hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns, three picks. I guess that's what I was thinking of. I somehow got that confused with the full season, but yeah, Jameis Winston is a pretty good quarterback in the system. And and that might be the case. My my thing with that is I don't know exactly what he's going to bring to us because I haven't seen it. Baker Mayfield was sold down the river by the Browns. I think Baker Mayfield is better than... You haven't seen Baker Mayfield in this system either. No, you're right. You've seen more of Winston in this system than you've seen of Baker Mayfield in this system. I don't disagree, but like I said, playoff wins mean things. I mean, great. Good for Baker Mayfield with the Browns, but he's not with the Browns anymore. This is a whole new... And Matt Rule sucks ass. We've already established this. Oh, you're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> so it's, it's, and Ben McAdoo fucking sucks ass, too. And I will say as a best, his offensive coordinator has stayed the same. So that's probably going to be okay. The best quarterback room in this division is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Goat, right. the Boat, and Kyle Trask. And Goat, the Boat, and Kyle Trask. You could take I out, love you the could, way we just said that. You could replace Blake Bortles. <laughs> And Kyle Trask was literally any – you could replace him with Colin Kaepernick and uh, Rex Grossman, and it'd still be the best quarterback room in this division. Right. It's it's unreal. The only quarterback that would make this quarterback room better would be Jay Cutler because then you have the GOAT, the don't care, and Kyle Trask. I mean, that's less exciting to me than the GOAT and the boat together. The GOAT and the boat. Just, as long as the GOAT so is – no, I can't finish that. We're going to get canceled if I do. All right. So, uh, moving on to the running back room. I, I think it's important to point out one of the things that we kind of we talked about a little bit earlier is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't have the best running back room, and a lot of that was due to injury last year. Super Bowl Lenny, Giovanni Bernard, and Rashad White. I Maybe White's going to be a hidden gem for them as a rookie this season. I I still don't have a lot of, of faith in this room. If they can all get healthy and stay healthy, they'll be great. I, I I'd put faith them right in this room either. But I will say, they're probably following the New England Patriots model of having multiple multiple garbage running backs and having them all somehow hit like 400 yards rushing on the season. And Tom yeah. Brady still throws for 8,000 yards in a game, and they make the playoffs as probably the one or the two seed, and that's how that's going to work again. I think the uh, it's fine. The <laughs> Their running worst. back room is ass. They don't need it to be any better. The second worst running back room, I would <laughs> say, is Atlanta with Cordero Patterson, who has done a tremendous job transitioning to the position. It's right. It looks more natural for him now. Yep. But the fact that you have him as your running back one is concerning. Uh, Tyler Algier, a rookie, I could see him potentially taking more of the running back one. I like Algier. And having Patterson in in more of a. Uh, a slot or uh, receiving, you know, backfield pass type situation. And they added Damian Williams in free agency as well. I, I like things about this running back room. I don't like it enough to have them compete against Carolina, who has CMC, Dante Foreman, and Chuba Hubbard, or more importantly, New Orleans Saints with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram the second. Dwayne Washington's there as well. But I think that's easily the best room of the of the division here. I, I I like the Saints room with Alvin Kamara not getting uh, 
suspended. That being said, I would really like the Panthers room if, if I, I had any trust in he wasn't going to get hurt. Correct. Exactly. That's that's so, the big hangup for me there. To me, I would think of it as Alvin Kamara is better when he's not suspended. Chris McCaffrey is better when he's not hurt. Let's cancel those out. Let's just look at the backups, the depth here. Because when healthy, when when full go, CMC, Alvin Kamara, they're they're basically equally valuable to your team because they do the same things and they're both freaking amazing at it. So one has better yardage than the other. Who cares? It's all about scheme and play calling. But let's look at the backups here. I would definitely take Carolina over yeah. what New Orleans has in the backup. Roles. And I, I don't. Uh, Mark Ingram's getting too old uh, to yeah, keep doing right. this consistently, and I don't even know who Dwayne Washington is. Right. Uh, Deontay Foreman filled in admirably for Derrick Henry, I, and Chuba Hubbard still has potential, and I, I liked him in Oklahoma State. I appreciate. I know Tug loved him. I appreciate that Deontay Foreman is the backup. I wish it was Chuba Hubbard. I think you put him in a situation like that where he's gonna he's gonna be the spell guy. He plays a completely different game than CMC, but if he's the spell guy, so, he gets a chance to shine. But I'm worried he's going to get lost if CMC stays healthy. Here's my issue with the way that these, and I, I want to highlight these are projected um, depth charts are. Chuba Hubbard had a solid rookie season in relief of CMC after CMC got hurt. Right. I would be shocked if they don't have him at least in rotation in that running back room. I was just about to say, this is probably more a situation where you have CMC as your obvious number one, and then you have two oh, number, number twos. twos. Yep. And we right. have we and have a situation. reports that the Panthers are they're in, they're they've been saying we just need to think of new we need to think of how we're using CMC and try to preserve him, which is a really shitty conversation to have to have. It it's right. really not because third down is now a passing down in the NFL, and I hate to say it. But that's where CMC excels. He is your passing down guy. Get him out of the backfield. Get him out. I mean, get him out in a halfback screen and toss it to him. Just throw him in the slot. Then don't worry about it. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Go with a running back tandem of Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, and which is actually a really solid running back tandem. And throw CMC in the slot. That's what I would be looking at. Yeah, but we we're do talking have... about Matt Rule here, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> awesome. we, do have, we do have three teams carrying a fullback. Atlanta with Keith Smith, Carolina with Giovanni Ritchie, and New Orleans with Adam Prentice. Tampa Bay, the home of Mike Allsott and his amazing career, is surprisingly the only team in this division not carrying a fullback. I love that this is making a resurgence back in the league, and especially when it's become so pass-heavy. I think I say this yeah. every time I do one of these. Um. I, I'm not going to rank these guys. They don't. This 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 is going to sound bad. They don't have I, enough of an impact in the modern game for me to really have any real say one way or another. Unless you're Kyle Uzcheck, which is about the only one I can name off the top of my head. I will um, say, looking at a lot of these teams having done this now for the AFC side of the house, there are a lot more teams with a fullback than I expected. Yeah, and yeah. who knows? Maybe maybe. Maybe someone will make the roster. Yeah, maybe they're on there to see some packages in preseason and they won't make the roster. But this is what we this is what we're seeing right now. So hey, in Madden though, Super Bowl Lenny can line up as a fullback pretty nice. Moving on here. to yeah, the wide yeah. receivers. Here. Can't confirm. Moving on to the wide receivers. I think it's I think the best room in the in the division. I think it's just easiest to start here. 
Tampa Bay, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, yeah. Russell Gage, Julio Jones. These are amazing names. And then Cyril Grayson Jr. He's going to learn a lot. He's going to be I, – I, I couldn't <laughs> right. tell you how long he's been in the league. I didn't write that down. But he is, he is part of a amazing passing offense down there in Tampa Bay. Well, right. Imagine learning from Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, and Tom Brady. Yeah. Like, you can't help but get better. <laughs> exactly. So, if they're our best, who – Who's second best? Because that's that's really the conversation here. I'm, the I'm only stuck one that here. I think the only one that I think is out of the conversation completely is Carolina with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall Jr., Brandon Zeistra, and Rashad Higgins. I just don't think Zilstra. there's a bunch there. Zolstra. <clears throat> I I'm I'm gonna take a page out of Doug's book here, and I think he's gonna appreciate this. I'm gonna go with the Saints, and I am gonna go with the Saints because I am gonna give Jameis Winston a little love. Like I said, I personally prefer Baker Mayfield over Jameis. That's a personal preference. However, I prefer Jameis Winston over Marcus Mariota. And when I look at those two, and I look at their wide receiver rooms, that leads me to like New Orleans is a little bit more. Uh, there is talent in Atlanta. I just I like the potential. I like the fact that Michael Thomas is uh, potentially healthy this year. I like Jarvis Landry. Uh, you have a clear X, Y, and Z out in, in New Orleans. Actually, Doug and I were discussing that last night. Uh, you've got Michael Thomas in your X, Chris Olave in your Y, and then Jarvis Landry in your Z, which is his natural position. That's a fantastic setup. I like New Orleans here. I think to make this a little bit easier on ourselves, we need to start including the tight ends in this conversation as well. And let's just talk about pass catching weapons as a whole, because then it becomes extremely obvious what order these teams need to be ranked. Bucks one, Saints two, Falcons three, Panthers four. It's like clear as day once you add in Kyle Pitts. They elevate above the Panthers and honestly are pushing the Saints. That's a very tight race for the number two quarter in in the division. I think if the Saints or if the Falcons had a clear number one wide receiver, they might even right. be better than the Saints. But we're looking at a room with right. Brian Edwards coming over in a trade, likely your number one receiver, and then Drake London, a rookie, likely your number two receiver. Now this is Which, also- honestly, honestly, Drake London plays better. At least at USC, he played better as a big at slot option. Yeah, which no, is at the Z. At the Z. But that's tough when you got a guy like Kyle Pitts who's going to be playing some of that as well. Right, and who's so, your other outside option then going to be? Zacchaeus Olamati? On nah, I'm good. To Daryl Hodge? Maybe. I, and, and I'll say this no, too. No thanks. I do like, I do like Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry better than any of the other wide receivers. Anthony Furcher, I think, is probably, if you take out Kyle Pitt, I, I know, if you, you take, take out, out Tampa Bay, he's probably the third best tight end in this division. And I, I, I would I, don't I would rank them right now. I would probably still – I know Kyle Pitts is only in his second year, but he's f- so phenomenal. I would still put him as yep. number one tight end in this division. Probably number two for me is Cam Bright for the Buccaneers. Uh, three is like a tie to me between yep. Adam Trotman and Anthony Burke. That's I, probably I where like I would have a lot. I like Furcher a lot too. Fer- like- Furcher is an all-around tight end too. Like that's the yes. key with him. That's that's what makes right. him so much better. I like Kyle Rudolph as well. 
Uh, he's also down there in Tampa Bay for agent acquisition this year. And Kate Otten's a rookie. Kate Otten if, is... if only he could have like been there Kate last Otten. year to learn from Gronk, man. Right. That'd have been that'd have been <laughs> beautiful. Uh of course Taysom Hill is a tight end now permanently in New Orleans, but I'm sure there will be some goofy ass set where he's gonna be under center because why wouldn't he be? Uh and, and we have Nick Vanette. Nick Vanette down there at the number three tight end spot for New Orleans makes three Ohio State players in that pass catching core. We have <laughs> not talked at all about Carolina's tight end room because it's atrocious. Ian Thomas, yeah. Tommy Tremble, Colin Thompson. Look, these guys are all still NFL players, but they are clearly the worst tight end room in this division. And, and Tommy Tremble. Tommy Tremble sounds like a bad uh like mid two thousands YouTube DJ name. And not an NFL player. Yeah. I I'm going to take this one step further from what you said, Ben. And they might be the worst tight end room, at least in the conference, if not in the NFL. Yeah. So I'm going to go through all that's of probably Drew. Yeah. That's, <laughs> we go through all of the offensive lines here. So in Atlanta, we've got Jake Matthews, Elijah Wilkinson, Matt Hennessy, Caleb McGarry, and Chris Lindstrom which sounds like a hockey name in oh, Carolina. He did go to Boston college. He's just from the Northeast in Carolina. We got the rookie Ethan McQuanu Taylor, Michael Jordan, not MJ, but you know, another MJ Bradley Bozeman, Ohio State Austin player. Corbett, Austin Corbett and Taylor Morton. Then Moten Morton. Yeah, it's Moten. Uh, you, you, you typed in Morton. I found it's definitely Moten. Uh, the saints. We got James Hurst, Andrews, Pete, Caesar Ruiz, Eric McCoy, and Ryan Ramschick. And then last but not least, probably the best offensive line. We, we keep giving them the best because, I mean, come on. Donovan Smith, Aaron Stinney, Shaq Mason, who is wearing the number 69. Robert Hainsey. Nice. And former big dudes in the trenches, rookie of the year, Tristan Wirfs. Come on. This is... This is the clear number one offensive line in this division. I don't agree. I would say the number one offensive line in the division is in New Orleans. Ryan Ramchek, Andrews Pete, Cesar Ruiz, and Eric McCoy are all plus talents on the offensive line. And really, as far as Tampa Bay, I'm only looking at Wirfs and Mason. I, Donovan Smith is fine. He is being helped significantly by uh, Tom Brady being there. and <laughs> I was about to say, isn't Ryan Ramchick old as shit and he's younger than me, so we need to move on as quickly yeah. as possible. I just hurt my own feelings. <laughs> and and, and uh, I know you were you were starting to read them uh, like from left to right, and then you mixed up Cesar Ruiz yeah. and Eric McCoy. Here's the and thing, I though. I, I think you're kind of correct, though, because Cesar Ruiz, center in college and probably is a better fit at center and I wouldn't mind seeing Eric McCoy slide to guard. I think he's probably better at guard than Cesar Ruiz is, but New Orleans is so, so like adamant that Cesar Ruiz is going to play guard for them. I don't understand why. He would be a great center for them. Just let him play center. Coach, I would make a great center. He will play guard and like it. No, actually we're going to put you at... um, Outside linebacker. Good wide luck. receiver. You're going to go play <laughs> wide receiver. I want that big body out there. 
Oh, you want to play center? How about you return kicks? <laughs> Coach, I've never carried a football in my life. And you want to play center. <laughs> Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. We'll stick with the big dudes in the trenches, though. And uh, I think there's a clear uh, clear defensive line you're going to have a very hard time running on. And we'll just start there. Tampa Bay. Viavea and Akeem Hicks up the middle, defensive tackle. Good luck. Good luck running the ball up the middle. You're, right. you're fucked. William Goulston and Logan Hall at the defensive end positions. Yeah, Going over. Logan Hall pick. Right. Rookie Logan Hall. My mistake. Not mentioning that. Uh, going over to the Saints, we got David Onyemata. Oh, I almost had it. Shy Tuttle, which is an amazing name. The veteran yeah. Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport, defensive ends there. Then going to Carolina, Derek Brown. Matt Iadonis. Ionitis. Ionitis. Brian Burns and Eater Gross Matos at the Close defensive enough. end. Sure. I'll give it to you. Please tell me it's Gator. <laughs> I win. Yeter. Yeter. Yeah. I, I tried. Yeah, uh, the last like I said. Atlanta, we got Anthony Rush, Grady Garrett at the defensive tackle positions, and then Trey Trey Quan Taquan Graham. God. And Marlon Davidson at defensive end. So, you, you're right. It's going to be really hard to rush against Tampa Bay. Uh, but part of that is the fact that I'm pretty sure they run a 3-4 and then Vita Bay just parks his self in the middle and good luck running on that to begin with. That would be I think his big fan ass. <laughs> I think you're going to have a hard, hard time passing against the Saints. I really like the Saints defensive ends here. Uh, they're a disruptive pack of defensive ends. Um that's where I'm at. I don't know. Yeah, you say that. Uh, I'm not as high on Marcus Davenport as I was when he was drafted. I was I'm more. I'm more high on. Group. I'm more high on Cam Jordan. Uh, he's great, but one defensive end by himself honestly doesn't make a defensive line. We've we've uh, seen it not work several times. Right. Right. And Cam Jordan is going to be phenomenal again this year, and he's still not going to make that defensive line. Yeah. The better defensive end group, to me, the best in this division, actually, is in Carolina. Brian Burns is phenomenal and extremely young. So is Yuturra Gross Matos. Phenomenal and extremely young. They're, and they're great players already. I love the interior of that line, too. Derek Brown is huge. People don't talk about him, and everyone loves to talk about parking himself over the center. But, man, Derek Brown does the same thing, and he's just as big, like, for real. So, I don't know. I, I, I think I still, I still hate that I think, Hicks is going to be playing in Tampa. Makes me sick. Well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Let's get, keep moving, though. Uh, linebacking cores, Shaq Thompson going down hurts a lot. Yeah, so he is on the physically unable to perform list for the Carolina Panthers. Joining him in that room is Damian Wilson, Frankie Lubu, and Brandon Smith. I included Shaq Thompson here because if he gets everything sorted out and is able to play this season, he's likely going to be in that starting rotation somewhere. Uh, but as it sits right now, the Panthers are going to be hurting without him, which is disappointing because the defense has been the best part about their about their team, frankly. And we'll talk more about that when we get into their secondary, where they really do shine. That uh, might be the only position group at all where they have a shot of competing for first place in the division. Other teams, though, the Atlanta Falcons, Lorenzo Carter, 
Makai Walker, Rashawn Evans, and yeah, Doug, you got me here. I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm sorry, I wasn't looking at w- which team you're reading. I was typing Atlanta, something else. Add a tokenbo. Ogadeji. Add a tokenbo. Ogadeji. Ogadeji. You got it. And then uh, we got a uh, Pete Werner. Mario Davis, Caden Ellis, and John Bostic here in New Orleans. Last but not least, of course, we have Devin White and Shaq Barrett down in Tampa Bay. They're joined by Levante David and Joe Tyron Shoyka. Yeah. Some names in this division, dude. <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball, I wasn't struggling on the offense here. I... I think this one's again pretty obvious. It's Tampa Bay with the best linebacking. Oh, dude, that's up and down, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, it's anchored by Devin White and Shaq Barrett. Don't get me wrong, but who's it, competing? I would, I would argue it's division? anchored by Devin White, Devin White and Levante David. Shaq Barrett's going to be a rotational piece on the edge out there. Like oh, this is going to be Devin White scary. and Levante David. It's scary. I don't. I almost don't like any other linebackers in this division. No, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Especially no, with Shaq Thompson going down. <laughs> right. Uh, defensive backs, though, starts to get interesting because A.J. Terrell might be up there as one of the best in the division, but the rest of that core is garbage. A.J. So, Terrell's up there as one of the best in the league. If he was on a right. better team, he would be in that conversation uh, more regularly. But Casey Hayward, D. Alford, and Isaiah Oliver joining him in Atlanta. Nothing exciting there. However, when you go over to Carolina, C.J. Henderson and J.C. Horn, those are guys everybody wants to watch and see play the game of football. They're joined by Dante Jackson and Keith Taylor Jr. Not as good, but when you got guys like that around you, you make everybody better. New Orleans, Marshawn Lattimore is still there. Bradley Roby is still there. Alante Taylor, the rookie, and Paulson Adebo. If you're looking at just quarterbacks, I think you got a competition between those two teams. Of course, we got Carlton Davis the third, Jamil Dean, D. Delaney, and rookie Zion McCollum in Tampa Bay. Going to be a fine room, but I think if you're looking strictly at cornerbacks, you've got a very big competition there, and it doesn't get any more clear when you move to safeties because in Carolina right. you have J- Jeremy Chin, Xavier Woods, who are the cornerstones of that position, joined by Justin Burris and Sean Chandler as rotational pieces. And, oh, yeah, the Saints signed a free agent this year. You might have heard of him. The Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. He's joined by another free agent, Marcus May, JT Gray, and Justin Evans. These are two ridiculous secondaries between Carolina and New Orleans. And, frankly, if you're Carolina or New Orleans, I, if you're Atlanta, you got to be thinking, why didn't we do this? We have to play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers twice a year. Right. These teams are basically set up to defend against that Tom Brady passing attack. You you forgot one key person on that on that uh, Saints defense that was a free agent acquisition. He came as a paired package with uh, the Honey Badger himself. Where's Marcus Sorensen? Daniel Sorensen, you mean? Yeah, whatever. He's probably been cut already. Let's be real. He probably should have been, honestly. Or he got traded to the Miami Dolphins. God damn it. <laughs> Man, it's come back. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so cornerback rooms as a whole, I would say Carolina and 
Rollins for sure. Still, the best two, though, are on the other teams. AJ Terrell and Carlton Davis are great. So it's it's dependent on you know how do you want to run that back into the defense. Some teams are very comfortable running it through one main corner and having a dominant safety over the top. Antoine Winfield Jr. has shown some real flashes here. Keanu Neal coming in to that uh, Buccaneers defense as well. Logan Ryan as well. Some really hard-hitting and experienced safeties. That might be a recipe for success as well. The only great combination of corners and safeties in this division is probably with New Orleans. The other teams have one or the other, probably. I I disagree. I really like Carolina's combination there, too. Yeah, because of Jeremy Chen, but the other safeties are ass. So, Also, I will say this. Woods. And Jeremy Chin's probably playing more linebacker than safety anyway. Correct. Um, I will say this. Antoine Winfield was really hit with that that sophomore slump last year. I'm actually looking for him to rebound this year. Uh, He had a rough season last year, but I think he's going to improve again this year. And then good luck with Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant over there. uh... Dean Marlowe, Eric Harris. (sighs) Yeah. Atlanta's going to have a fun time with their safeties. <laughs> Five and a half wins <laughs> might be high for Atlanta. Let's let's be real. <clears throat> uh, not too many changes in the special teams, though. Uh, at least we did have one drafted special teamer, Jake Camarda. New punter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their kicker is still yeah. Ryan Suckup. And Jalen Darden looks to be their primary kick returner. No changes uh, in Car- or not Carolina. No. Will Lutz still kicking the field goals. Blake Gillikin kicking the punts. And uh, Deontay Hardy, I don't know if he was returning kicks or not, but he was with the team last year as well. We do have a massive change at punter for the Carolina Panthers. He might be the all-star of this team, Johnny Hecker. <laughs> you were talking about Matarazza earlier, and I don't remember if I brought up Johnny Hecker or not, but that is the guy that Araza has the potential and capability of being. Just Dude, you are so team. good at pronouncing things. Jenny, Jenny Hecker. Jenny Hecker and Matt Araza. Oh, yeah. That's definitely <laughs> well, how that is. Zane Gonzalez <laughs> is kicking field goals Zane, there. Zane Gonzalez. I said Zane. Definitely said Zane, but, you know. Damn, we'll... I heard it different. They're just trying to make me sound bad. And Andre Roberts uh, returning the kicks. And then absolutely no changes here in Atlanta because why would they change anything when their team's already so amazing? Well, and Young Way Koo is actually the MVP Young of Wei this Koo. team. Fact. It's him and H.A. Terrell going back and forth for MVP. <laughs> Bradley Pinion's been a staple at punter there forever as well. Let's not forget that. And uh, they also have Cordell Patterson likely doing the kick re- kickoffs, and Avery Williams will likely do the punt returns. That takes us to division winners. Is anybody, anybody real quick, one, two, three, Buccaneers, right? Buccaneers. Right. Buccaneers. Um, that was not in sync, but still counts. Doug, I so we, we all have the Buccaneers first. We all have the Saints second. Doug, I'm interested. <laughs> you have the Falcons and Panthers finishing uh, five and twelve apiece, but I'm assuming you put the Falcons ahead of the Panthers. Do you think they're going to beat the Panthers in the head-to-head matchups? There have a point differential. Well, they're just, probably just that's that comes down to division record. So yeah, if they both finish five and twelve, I would say the. There's more upset potential, in my mind, 
for the Falcons over the Saints in that huge rivalry than there is for the Panthers over literally anybody. It would be amazing to me that they hit five wins. So Falcons hit five wins with a, maybe a sneaky upset in there. They finish with one extra division win, and we'll call Falcons third place and Panthers fourth place. That's that's what I'm thinking. It It's not necessarily um, a a big like endorsement of the Falcons team this year, but it's, I don't like the Panthers. <laughs> we do. We do. Of course, Doug and I have the Panthers and Falcons finishing third and fourth. What yeah. it, I, I agree with you, Doug. These two are pretty interchangeable. They're both going to have awful years. The Falcons at least are rebuilding and look to have a vision. Yeah. Uh, the Panthers are floundering and I don't know how Matt rule is. The, the front office must like him. That, that's the only yeah, possible right. explanation, right? Like, at, at this point... He's got some blackmail on the front office. He's got it. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody that wants him there, so... I was oh, going to say, Ben, you, you watched the front office keep a coach way longer than they need to, literally just last year. A front office that refused to fire a coach midseason, so... Yep. That's, uh, that's beautiful. I, I hope the... I hope, I hope the Panthers don't do the same thing. They have a lot of potential with what they have. They have some good pieces. Man, they they need they need something. It's it really sucks for Panthers fans. I'm sorry. Well, that's a great way to end our <laughs> NFC South division review. Uh, I will say the Buccaneers are one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl again. Um, Congrats to Buccaneers fans because you won't be good again once Tom Brady retires. We saw this with Denver. Peyton Manning retired. They are awful and will continue to not be all that great. But we'll get to the AFC West next week. So, hey, what a transition that was. Almost like I planned it. All right. So, now let's talk about FCS football. Uh, We've gone through all 10 conferences and the independent separate episode talking about every team individually and how each team can expect to perform who we think is going to win each conference well we're not exactly an fcs show but we do like talking about some fcs football they're still in division one they still play our fbs teams every once in a while and some of these teams are actually really freaking fantastic so it's worth talking about in a lot of FCS action is definitely worth watching. So let's talk about some FCS things and a little bit of an FCS preview this week. Nowhere near as in-depth as our FBS conference previews. But at the same time, you know, if you're new to the FCS or if you think about thinking about watching some FCS games this year, what are the teams to look out for? What are some of the players to look out for? Uh, so we do have all of our preseason top 25s in. Uh, we have coaches poll is is a thing down the FCS level as well. But instead of an AP poll, they have the stats perform FCS top 25. Stats perform is, I don't know, it's kind of like a big deal. <laughs> the FCS level, they do a whole lot of things. They're the uh, award givers as well. So the uh, award watch lists we'll be talking about here, Walter Payton Award and the Buck Buchanan Award are given out by Stats Perform. So it's 
it's basically the NCAA themselves <laughs> ranking these teams uh, for, for all practical purposes. Um, and reigning national champion, North Dakota State, is coming in at number one preseason poll. Probably fair. Like it how like it should be done. Yeah. I, I like it. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, most of the teams in this top 25 did at least make the playoff. The highest team in this ranking that did not make the playoff is Chattanooga, coming in at number 12. Finished six and fire and third in the SOCON. But at the same time, people are expecting them to be really good this year. They lost a first-round draft pick, and they're still going to be better this year than they were last year. Uh, that's wild to me. Hold on, that's cool, strange, right? Just so we're we're yeah. all on the same page. Yeah, yeah. You know, you I lose mean, I a first-round that... offensive guard. Oh, that's a God. big deal. <laughs> big dudes matter. Come on. Oh, man. That's just. It's so bad. <laughs> Why did this happen? Uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah. His dog was drafting again. So, yes, man. to let you know how FCS football works, if you're not used to it, I will say uh, look for Missouri Valley Conference teams, look for Big Sky teams, then look for CAA teams, all in that order. And that's kind of how we see it in the top 25 as well. Yeah. Uh, Missouri Valley is number one and number two. Big Sky is number three and number four. Then Missouri Valley again before we get to <laughs> CAA. So it's, it's <laughs> those are the three conferences. people all saying that too, though. But it's true. Like it's, it's it is definitely true. It is. You know, the Big South has their moments. They can't win a playoff game to save their lives. <laughs> no, they can um, win one, not the second one, though. No, they had a bye because they were eleven and two, and God the champions of the Big South, and they, so they didn't have to play round one. They lost in their first playoff game. Oh, I tried to give him, try to give him some love. Third, give you, third in the Missouri Valley did better than first place in the Big South, and that's Southern and Illinois. Third, third in the Missouri Valley almost went to the the quarterfinals as it is. That was Look, the fifth in game. the Missouri Valley went to the semifinals. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, These are, uh, in fact, things that happened, yes. So there are 15 conferences in all of the FCS. Definitely not all 15 are represented in this top 25. And a few of those 15 conferences have a little bit of different rules than the rest of Division I. Uh, Not the same exact scholarship set up as some of the other Division I teams across the conferences. And there are a couple of conferences that do not participate in the FCS playoff system. Uh, the Ivy League, for example, just doesn't want to do it. The SWAC just doesn't want to do it. They have a bowl game instead of having the playoff. So Jackson State, champion of the SWAC, lost the Celebration Bowl, didn't get a chance to even compete in the playoffs. Uh, they did lose that to... South Carolina State, who is not in the top 25. Even though they're probably expected to win the MEAC this year. The SWAC, the MEAC, for whatever reason, dominates the Celebration Bowl, even though I right. think the SWAC has the better teams and has had the better teams. It does it not make any sense. For decades, it feels like. <laughs> I think I think one thing that we, we need to mention is that the champions from spring of 2021 
when we had that weird, weird year. Same Houston State. Mm-hmm. They're not in the top 25. They're not one of the teams receiving votes either. That is right. how much this this swings. And Aren't they expected to make the jump next year too? They are. They already yeah, accepted okay. the bid. That's what I thought. Yeah. So it's it is it is kind of the wild west in FCS, yes. especially right now. And for example, Incarnate Word, who just lost their head coach and starting quarterback, is still number fourteen here because people think that's still gonna be a great team. Uh you know. Look, I, maybe, I'm just in I'm just enjoying that Rhode Island is is number twenty two. I don't think they've ever been ranked in my entire life. So, and for the record, they're still behind sixth place in the Missouri Valley Conference of you and I at twenty one. <laughs> uh, Rhode Island was ranked for a lot of last year, so you're definitely wrong. But you're not the preseason wrong. Poll, I know the preseason poll. They were probably ranked in the preseason poll last year hey, too. <laughs> hey, y'all remember elite Joe Flacco? His alma mater, Delaware, is ranked number nineteen after finishing ninth in the CAA last year. Hell right. Hell um, right. We got, we got so many great directional schools as well. East Tennessee State, Southeastern Louisiana. Southeastern Missouri State. They're not in the Eastern, top 25. I just know they exist. Eastern Washington. Yeah, it's with Central the, Arkansas. With the, red turf, the red turf at Eastern Washington. Hold on. Central is Central Arkansas, Arkansas is tech, technically directional? Yeah, yes. Central is a direction. Central Arkansas, alma mater of uh, – shit, my mind just went blank. Go look at their field, though. It is purple and gray. It is, it is yeah, disgusting. It's... Oh, God. Uh, it is yeah. disgusting. Hey, I see Elon. Daddy Elon's making getting some votes. Yeah, that's not Musk. That is a university. Oh, God. Let's just start talking about the one in the world watch list. We're, we're the ball. All right. Path. So – if you paid an award is it's basically the offensive player of the year award for all of the FCS. There are three big awards that are given out every year at FCS level Walter Payton award and the Buck Buchanan award for the defensive player of the year. And then the Jerry Rice award for freshman of the year, obviously freshman of the year, isn't going to have a watch list. Nobody knows for sure how the freshmen are going to perform, but Every preseason, there is a watch list put out for the Walter Payton Award and the Buck Buchanan Award. There are 35 players on each of these, so we're not going to talk about all of them. But I do have a few highlighted I want to talk about. I know, Bug, you probably have a couple you want to mention as well. Uh, So I guess let's start off in the Walter Payton Award. This goes in order by position, so we're going to talk about quarterbacks first. Uh, Nick Baker, SIU, is... Pretty fantastic, but he is in some hard-hitting company with Tim Demerat, who finished as a finalist for the Walter Payton Award back-to-back years, 2020 and 2021, back on the watch list, is going to hit 10,000 career passing yards at Fordham this season. And Shadur Sanders, Jackson State, that's Dion's son, played phenomenally last year, and honestly might have been one of the better quarterbacks in the FCS level, even though he didn't have the yardage to necessarily compete with some of the scheme fits of, like, Cameron Ward and Cole Kelly and Eric Barrier. If Shadur Sanders can't read a coverage, I I don't know what to say at this point. (laughs) Right. Right, true. 
So I will say one thing that is going to help Nick Baker is that his high school teammate, Avante Cox, is a wide receiver and also on the Walter Payton Award watch list. They have been the best uh, connection to watch in FCS college football for the past two years. It has been absolutely amazing what they've been able to do. And they come from one of the best 4A programs in the state of Illinois at Rochester. So the fact that they're having this success at SIU is wonderful for the state of Illinois football, especially that pipeline going to SIU. I don't know this elevates either one of them into a real position to win here. There are a lot of finalists uh, on this list that they're going to be competing against, including Geno Hess from from SEMO, Southeast Missouri State. He's a senior at running back. He was a 2021 finalist. A lot of guys just in that general area of Southeast Missouri, Southern Illinois, that are going to be, you know, showing that there's a lot of good football in the Midwest, even if, uh, you know, Paul Feinbaum doesn't want to admit it. (laughs) A couple of running backs I wanted to highlight here specifically. Malik Grant out of Sacred Heart. Made the Sacred Heart team run last year for sure. And kind of a pun. I didn't mean it as a pun, but it's definitely that counts as a pun. Um it's going to be the same thing this year. Honestly, I can't tell you who Sacred Heart's quarterback is going to be. Malik Grant's going to carry the brunt of that offense, the workload of that offense. Same with Dayton and their running back, Jake Chisholm. He has been what makes Dayton worth watching. If you feel like watching, you know, a a two-win team, uh, he would be one of the reasons you would want to do that. So, (laughs) um, um, there is another running back I have highlighted here because that's the way the Walter Payton Award watch list put him, listed him. Uh, but actually, he is a fullback for North Dakota State on this watch list. Hunter Lukey is, yeah, he's worth a watch list even at the fullback position. The way they utilize him is much more in like a 1960s fullback kind of a style. He runs up the middle. He catches out of the backfield. He does everything a running back would do, except he's bigger, stronger, and whiter. So it's... <laughs> no, you didn't. God damn it. Yeah, I, yeah, I had to. Um, <laughs> Before we get canceled, let's move on. Uh, one of the best receivers in all of college football last year that probably nobody knows about. Xavier Gibson, uh, Stephen F. Austin, led all of the FCS in receiving yards last year and was a finalist last year for the Walter Payton Award, is back with Stephen F. Austin as a senior and is expected to ball out once again. His quarterback is also on this watch list in Trey Self, so hopefully that connection stays strong. And I think Xavier Gibson has a really good shot at getting at least a high high offer as UDFA, if not potentially sneaking out into the draft somewhere. And then I have to include a tight end. Uh, I didn't know which one to pick exactly. But then I thought, wait, why would I not take Tucker Kraft, who was sensational at South Dakota State last year, and Tug would kill me if I didn't mention a single South Dakota State player. I probably wouldn't, but no Jackrabbits. <laughs> Uh, anybody I missed on the offensive side here, the Walter Payton Award watch list here? 
I'm curious what the drop off is going to be for Taylor Grimes, not receiving passes from Bailey Zappi this year out of UIW, True. but he is also on this watch list as a wide receiver. That's really the only the only big one I had yeah, uh, but, that we didn't talk about. See, but his quarterback also is still on this watch list too. So yeah, Taylor Grimes isn't catching from. Oh God, I just blanked. Bailey Zappi. No, no the, Cameron Ward. Cameron, Cameron Ward. Ward, thank you. Um, <laughs> yep, I messed that up twice then. Yeah, yep. uh, but the quarterback for UIW this year is on it in Lindsey Scott Jr. Yeah, so Lindsey Scott Jr. is a transfer from Nichols, which is weird because they play in the same conference and it normally wouldn't have been allowed. But at the time, UIW thought it was leaving for a different conference. And Lindsey Scott Jr. transferred while they were technically working out a deal to move to a different conference. And then they said, actually, we're not going to move. We're going to stay. That sounds like a real Alabama move right there. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? So UIW is still in the Southland, even though I don't understand why. Um, (laughs) I don't know how that works at all. Anyway, let's jump to the Buck Buchanan Award watch list. Uh, Again, in order of positions. So we'll talk about defensive line, then linebackers, and then defensive backs. Uh, Just a couple of guys at each level here. Uh, Defensive lineman, the 2020 winner of the Buck Buchanan Award is on this list, Jordan Lewis, defensive lineman of Southern. Uh, not the 2021 winner, not last year. The year before last, he won this award as a freshman. Uh, I guess technically as a sophomore, because the sophomore season would have counted twice with the COVID year, whatever. He's a junior now, officially, and uh, he's back, and Jordan Lewis is pretty great. Uh, also on the defensive line, a actually like a fifth-year senior. It was a 2020 and a 2021 finalist. Titus Leo out of Wagner is a pretty great defensive lineman in his own right. I mean, that's all I had to say about him. I, I, I agree. Yeah. You <laughs> mentioned the, the 2020 winner. While you move over to the linebacker position, we got the 2021 winner, Isaiah Land out of yeah. Florida A&M. This, I mean, it, it's incredible to me that we have two, you know, the last two winners of this award on the defensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball. The winners are nowhere to be found. Wow. wow. Well, Eric wow. Barrier graduated now, so, you know, can't have him anymore. I'll tell you what, though, VMI Stone Snyder, 2020 and 2021 finalists. VMI, of course, winning their first ever conference championship in 2020, yeah. I believe. Uh, he's a big reason why, and I'm excited to watch him play some football again this year. One really <laughs> – this just highlights how great FCS football is. Um, I need to talk about the linebacker out of northern Colorado, David Hogue. He is – he was an All-American last year. Not only that, but during the summer, he worked with the University of Northern Colorado to study abroad all across Italy, Spain, and he came back as an incredible chef. His passion is cooking food, and he spends a lot of time cooking food for his teammates. I'm not kidding you. He's like one of the team chefs now, as well as being an All-American linebacker. My dude should have been an All-American offensive lineman with that type of hobby. He is going to end up with an NFL organization 
one way or another. He's either going to be cooking for him or he's going to be playing yeah. for him. This is beautiful and I love it. His his degree is going to be in like sports management. He's going to have all these chef skills and he's going to be a great linebacker. There is nothing this man cannot do. <laughs> I love it. You probably can't tell me how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop though. No, but he can tell you how to season some jerk chicken and that's more important to me. <laughs> he... He could probably tell you who's got the best defensive backroom in the country right now, too, at the FCS level. Well, that one's easy to tell because <laughs> there are two players on this watch list at the defensive back group out of the same school, and that is Big Skies, Montana. Oh, and they're both redshirt seniors. Yeah, Justin Ford and Robbie Hawk are both back and are both really great, and Montana should have a great back end of their defense. Again. Will they beat Washington again? I don't know if they they play play Washington again. (laughs) Washington might have canceled the rest of the series forever. (laughs) Let's, let me pull up the schedule just real quick. We have to check now. Montana Grizzlies (laughs) are not no, they Washington play Portland State. State. Yeah, they play Portland State this year. They don't play them this year. That is amazing. Actually, Montana doesn't play any FBS schools this year. I wonder why. Got yeah. too good. Yeah, nobody wants to pay them to lose. Um, yeah, yeah, that defensive back room is scary. But at the same time, they don't have anybody on this list with a defensive line. So Montana sucks. Big dudes rule. Hold on. Sorry, I just looked at their schedule, and if we want to talk about directional schools, yeah, Northwestern State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, Northwestern is a college in the Big Ten, so I mean... Northwestern you know. State. Not even Northwestern yeah. Washington or Northwestern Montana, just Northwestern State. Pick a state, any state. It's in the Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> That probably does it for me as far as shouting out Buck Buchanan Award watch list members. Uh, do you have anything to add? I got nothing to add there. Uh, I say we run through these conference champions and get to the uh, grand finale of our show, so to speak. All right. So we wanted to kind of do the entire FCS as a whole, which means we have 15 conference champions to pick here. Uh, we're not going to pick conference championship games because most of these conferences don't even do that. Most of these conferences don't have enough teams to qualify to have a conference championship game. But at the same time, even the ones that do, we're just going to take a champion. There's too many conferences to try to go through all this. And I'm just going to throw this out here. There is one single conference where I'll have anything more to say than my pick. Uh, it's it's pretty I'm, obvious it's going to be Missouri Valley Conference. It's the only one I'd follow remotely closely. Yeah. I'm going to put the disclaimer that I just picked whatever team I liked. Which is a totally valid reason to be picking a team at the FCS level. Anything can happen. So (laughs) you might be more correct than I am uh, when I spent like a whole day researching FCS teams for this uh, on top of (laughs) what we've been watching the past couple of years. So we're going to keep this really simple. Uh, Just I'll name the conference. One of you gets to go first. I'll go in the middle, and one of you goes last. You know how we got it written on the notes. It'll be easy. Works for me. Uh, so the first conference up in alphabetical order would be the A Sun, 
Awesome P. I'm going to take Eastern Kentucky. Let's go P. <laughs> uh, how about the Big Sky? I'll make it easy for everybody. We're all taking Montana. I think that's yeah. a no-brainer. Yeah, uh, but they didn't win the Big Sky last year, so let's see. Uh, Big South. Bryant? I'm going to take Gardner-Webb. This conference really annoys me that this team is in the Big South, but I'm going to go with the hometown team, Bryant. The CAA. Delaware Bluehens. I'm going to take a repeat champion and go with Villanova Wildcats. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Rams up in Rhode Island. Another hometown pick for you. All right. I see how it is. Let's no, go to the Ivy just League. Just look at the list of them. <laughs> I mean, he did do that. Yeah. Uh, Ivy. Harvard. See, I thought about Harvard long and hard, but I think I like Dartmouth more. I, I figured Dartmouth. you were going to switch to them, Doug. Yeah, I just saw they were receiving votes, so we'll go with, we'll, we'll take the Tigers out of Princeton. Uh, how about the MEAC? South Carolina State. That's an easy pick. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say North Carolina Central upsets them this year. I'm going to go way off the reservation here and take Howard. Uh, pick for the Bison. That's probably the first time they've ever heard that in their lives. <laughs> Missouri Valley Conference. All right. So I said I was going to go a little bit longer here. I'm We're taking all... this, but yeah, I think we all probably will. I think this is probably the conference we watch the most. Uh, right. And I'm going to take SIU. For a reason. Right. And it, it is not solely a homer pick that does play into it because I do think South Dakota State has a very good team. Uh, I think North Dakota State has a very good team. And I do think Missouri State's going to have a very good team this year as well. What I've liked about SIU over the past two years is how they've battled and improved each season. And they have consistently been near the top. They just need to get over the top this year. And they are poised to do it when you look at what they've got set up on that offensive side of the ball, especially starting with Nick Baker and, as we talked about, Avante Cox. There's a lot to like about SIU, and I think this might be the year that they take the next step. They're going to have to battle to do it, but I can't say it enough. This team is prepared to do it. Yeah, so I came down to SIU or North Dakota State, and my thinking was at this point, it's really hard for me to pick against the, I don't know, eight-time champs in the last I, 10 I don't years. Blame you. Don't blame me. I'm going to take North Dakota State, but I really do think the Salukis have a shot here. Uh, this team feels seasoned and talented at the same time. That's a recipe for a lot of wins. So I looked at this and I came down to North Dakota State, South Dakota State, as one uh, typically does. Um, and this one I couldn't pick. One I want to be different, too. I couldn't pick against what is the new hometown team for me. Uh, so we're going to go with the Jacks on this and take South Dakota State. Fair enough. Home of Adam Vinatieri, uh, great alumni from SDSU. Uh, how about the NEC conference? Uh, we're all going with Sacred Heart. Save some time there. How about the OVC conference, the Ohio Valley? I'm going to take good. this one first, and then I'll let you take it, Ben, because I'm going to go with Eastern Illinois for absolutely no reason. That's Except for it's the home of Tony Romo. That absolutely. doesn't. True. Uh, that was that was a big motivator for Tug to pick them because he yeah. wants to, he wants Tony Romo to secretly 
secretly wants Tony Romo to come out of retirement and play for the Miami Dolphins. Not at all. <laughs> I'm going with the UT Martin Skyhawks because I feel like that's the obvious pick. I would love to go with a semi-hometown team with the SEMO Redhawks, but they are going to be garbage again. I really considered one of the Kentucky schools at the OVC, <laughs> but I am going to take UT Martin as well. Uh, let's move on to the Patriot here. I've got Holy Cross. I'm going to take the recent D3 mover. Uh, they got kicked out of their Division Three conference because they were too good, and Division Three conference said, I remember that. Uh, we can't play St. Thomas anymore because they beat all of us by, like, Wait, triple digits. You, 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 you dropped down one. You dropped drop down, down one. one. We're still on the Patriot. My bad. That really sucks. It was about St. Thomas. Uh, well, in the Patriot, I'm going to take Fordham because why not? It's finally the year for their long, long Demerat. He's going to pass 10,000 yards and win him a conference title for once. You sound so much more depressed now that you blew your load for the next your next pick. I know. I was uh, excited to talk about St. Thomas. I'm, I'm taking Holy Cross here. Go ahead, Pioneer. Talk about now, let me now. talk about St. Thomas. <laughs> so they I'm were so dominant in D3. Uh, they were so dominant in D3, they had to jump all the way up to D1. And amazingly, they won like seven games last year. It's the first time D1 school. So given my year of experience in Division One, I, I don't even know if they're eligible to be named conference champions yet. They might be under some kind of probation still. But I'm going to take the Tommies to go ahead and win pioneer conference because that would be awesome and i think it actually could happen so so legitimately with everything you had previously said those were all of the reasons i took them with absolutely no coordination with you but 100 percent, give me give me the jumpers give me the tommies how about the socon i'm gonna go vmi uh for the same reason i'm gonna take another champion here a little bit later uh they won during that covid year I think they really were hurt by the short offseason, so I'm going to take VMI. I'm going to take Chattanooga. Kind of why not? I don't really believe in them being ranked so high, but let's pick them and see if they prove uh, prove me wrong and prove me right at the same time. That'd be really weird and fun, and let's go Chattanooga. <laughs> I'm going to take ETSU. <laughs> okay, don't hate it. Uh, how about the Southland? I really just want to be different than you, Doug, because I really love your pick, but I'm taking Nickel State. Yeah, I'm going to Southeastern Louisiana. They lose Cole Kelly, but at the same time, this team was built up around Cole Kelly, and they have a good enough quarterback instead. I think SEL is going to take this conference handily. I, I'm going to go with uh, the quarterback robbers themselves, and I take UIW. How about the swack? Is it anybody but Jackson State? That's who we yeah, all Yeah, it, it can't be anybody but Jackson State. Um, and then let's go to the whack. Same thing I said this about VMI applies here. I think Sam Houston State is a fantastic team that was hurt by how long they played in the spring. I'm going with Sam Houston State. So I considered Sam Houston State. I really did, but... I ended up coming back to, we just talked about these watch lists. There is such a collection of talent 
on the top end of Stephen F. Austin's roster, it was hard for me to pick against them. That doesn't always work out. Sometimes it's actually every single time it's better to have depth than just a single star. But they have stars dotted around the entire roster and across that starting 22. So I could see Stephen F. Austin pulling out some games that they maybe technically shouldn't based on overall talent level. And let's take the Jags here. I'm I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Sam Houston because I think they're gonna going to capitalize on this season to give them some momentum going into the FPS next year. Uh, it's gonna be you need to end it well in the FCS. So I think they're gonna have a good season, win the conference, and uh, push on up. What like James Madison tried to and then weren't allowed to win their conference? Yeah, exactly. Won it. <laughs> we won uh, your conference. Love the no, you didn't. So that is all 15 conference champions for you. Kind of run down very quickly. And that does it for our FCS. It is bracket with your votes on our Oh, man. Yes. We have four more matchups today here. Some of the greatest stadium in all Power 5 FBS football. Tug didn't figure out how to work the music, so I haven't heard this in a while. Good to have you. <laughs> no, I knew how to work it. I just hadn't done it. Well, that's... just like you guys ignore my thing when I leave. Fair enough. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into our four matchups here today. We certainly appreciate your votes on our Twitter polls and, uh, change the slide there we can get started yeah that's that'd be a good call wouldn't it sure no. would uh first up is texas a&m university versus the university of louisville that's kyle field versus cardinal stadium and twitter very decidedly went with kyle field here and hand it off to you guys what do you think so one thing I am going to highlight is that picture in the bottom left, uh, bottom for Kyle Field, is very clearly a concept drawing. Right. Um, but the reality is it shows what I love about it. It's symmetrical. Doug, you keep bringing it up, and you're, you're wearing on me with this, but it's got that college architecture on the outside. It makes you think college. Uh, I'm finding it. I'm going to find it very hard to go against Kyle Field here. I'm going to go with Kyle Field. Yeah, uh, it's called the 12th man for a reason. Kyle Field. Sounds good to me. Makes total sense. Uh, let's move on to our next matchup here, which was another very decisive victory on Twitter. Uh, but this is Huntington Bank Stadium versus the LA Memorial Coliseum or University of Minnesota versus USC. Uh, the Coliseum swept it 100% on Twitter. And hand over to you guys. I like Huntington Bank Stadium. I don't like it more than the Coliseum. It's just that they ran into a bad matchup here. If they were going up against Cardinal Stadium, they probably yeah. win that much a matchup. But they also don't beat Kyle Field. So right. it's <laughs> it, it's disappointing. There's I don't feel like there's enough history at Huntington Bank Stadium to give it any real credit or credence that it might deserve. And they certainly aren't going to get it against the, the Coliseum. It's just not going to happen. I really like Huntington Bank Stadium, but again, it doesn't have the history. It doesn't have, honestly, half the things that the Coliseum has. Yeah, you get to go to the Coliseum here. 
Yeah, I love that outside architecture, but it's it's obvious that the Coliseum needs to be moving on. And we are moving on to our next matchup here, which is the University of Tennessee versus Texas Tech. Neyland Stadium versus Jones AT&T. Now, once again, this was a very easy victory for one team. Uh, that team happened to be Tennessee this round. Neyland Stadium won in a landslide. Uh, what do you guys think? I've been to a game at Texas Tech. Ben, I think you have too, haven't you? No, we ended up not going. Okay. Uh, it's a cool stadium. <sighs> Some of the areas are hard to get to. Based on that alone, plus the architecture, I am going to give this to Neyland here. Man, Texas Tech Stadium, Jones AT&T Stadium. I really wish I could move you on. You're throwing tortillas in the air. I love it. You can't compete with that checkerboard. You can't compete with one of the largest college football stadiums. It, it hurts me. You had no shot in this one. Neyland Stadium wins. I want it known that Ben said something good about a Tennessee tradition. Move. Move on. Move nope. On. No, we're putting that. We're making sure that's on the record. All because you want those traditions for the Miami Dolphins doesn't mean you get to. I don't want the checkerboard. An aqua and orange checkerboard would look horrendous. <laughs> It'd be hilarious, <laughs> though, we have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> so our last matchup of the day that we had votes on Twitter for, this is Auburn versus Arkansas, or Jordan Hare versus Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. This ended up being a tie on Twitter, which means we need some real debate here. Two big-time SEC stadiums. Honestly, two very different looks. Think. Here's. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, here's my thing. I want to have a little bit of debate. Let anybody watching get some get some time to type out your comment in support of one or the other because this was a straight down the middle tie on Twitter. Here's my biggest thing. I would say the biggest tradition for the fans for Auburn football is Sooners Quarter, and that's not inside the stadium. War Damn Eagle, that's a pretty big thing too, but I would prefer to be there for I would prefer to be there at Razorback Stadium for the call in the hogs. One hundred and ten percent. Also, I just think red and white looks better than orange and blue. There's way too many teams that do orange and blue. So I that's kind of where I'm at. There's a lot of teams that do red and white, too. Let's be real. Yeah, wait a minute. I can think of two teams off the top of my head that do orange and blue. Syracuse and Auburn. Arkansas, Stanford, Ohio State. I'm sorry, Doug, but I need to lump it in there. Nebraska, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Indiana. Illinois. Chicago Bears. Bears. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're going by color schemes, it's about even. Technically, uh, the Miami really Dolphins. Is. God damn it. <laughs> oh, shit. So I can't for, even Buck? debate that. Like, it's technically true. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. I'm voting for Razorback Stadium. Okay. So for me, there's moments that stick out for me. Um, 
and maybe it's unfair for me to vote this way, but but I'm going to. Man, that kick six. I was still a young football fan when it happened, but that was at Jordan Hare. Ah, memorable moments carry something, and for me, that's going to carry it for for Jordan Hare on this one. Because to me, they are about even. It's an even matchup all the way down. I would throw out here, and this is unfair to Auburn, because I don't know if they have anything like this, but I know if you go do a tour of Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and when you go into the locker room, there's one locker that has been preserved for all time. That is Brandon Burlesworth's locker. And for me, really, that that does take it a little bit over the top. And I had to bring out the big guns yeah. uh, for, this, for this last point because the kick six is a fantastic point. Uh, but I'm going with Brandon Burlesworth's locker. Uh, even if you have to have a special tour to see it, you don't see it on game day. Uh, it is part of the stadium, and it, it's definitely worth mentioning. Well, you don't see kick six every game either, so. That's true. <laughs> I think it's fair. Um, so I guess it comes down to me then. Uh, yep. Um, I will say, so Georgia gets known as between the hedges. Auburn has hedges too, man. And the hedges yep. are freaking sweet. I love hedges. But they're um, not known for it. They're not known for it. I've also, I wasn't in Jordan Hare. I was outside Jordan Hare and saw it very closely from the outside. It looks so bland from the outside. Inside, it is iconic to me. That's like one of the football arenas. Outside, it is so boring. A complete opposite for Arkansas. Razorback Stadium is like a... It, so just a regular old field. But man, that outside of the stadium is just... A, that's a brand in itself. The shape of the stadium is its own brand to me. It's and a square. It's so much more than a square. Are you blind, my good sir? <laughs> you're, you're right. It's a rectangle with curved edges. Exactly. How does that not excite you? <laughs> well, you only get excited by feet and the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> oh, man. They both kind of do the striping, too which is a really cool thing that you really only see in college, right? The Auburn gets to go blue in one section. Arkansas gets to go red in one section, white in one other section. <sighs> Man. Honestly, this is a, like a stupid point, and I hope no other matchups come down to this. For me, I'm going to take... Razorback Stadium because of the video board and how much bigger it is than Auburn's video board. Woo That's important. fucking pig. That's important in a college stadium. You need a good-ass video board. So. <laughs> I know Air Force tried to put one in a few years back when the Big 12 was looking to uh, expand. Yeah, when it, they were like, well, you don't have enough seats in your stadium anyway, so it doesn't matter. When it comes down to what we just went through, I think a video board does have to play a factor in this. 100%. So, with that, uh, University of Arkansas is moving on in our bracket. And 
we're getting down some good matchups here for sure. Uh, we're actually not that far away from crowning a champion of this whole thing. Before we do that, we have a whole other four matchups next week. We're going to need your help on Twitter with. We'll run through them real quick here. Ohio Stadium versus Kroger Field. Um, remember, right. this the was not the football school of Kentucky. Yeah, this was not a seeding job by me. This was seeded by capacity. So sorry that it worked out this way, but Ohio Stadium versus Kroger Field. So that's that's our first matchup next week. Uh, <laughs> then we have Clemson Memorial Stadium versus Autzen Stadium, home of the University of Oregon. Uh, very unique stadium designs on both sides here. Should be an interesting voting option. Uh, third matchup next week will be Death Valley, the other one down in LSU versus Memorial Stadium. Which one? Can, yeah. Can you please name your stadium? Memorial Stadium doesn't even count as a name anymore. University of Illinois, Memorial Stadium structure as far as FBS stadiums go, at least in this bracket, versus LSU, which is kind of just a stadium, but it's massive. So, <laughs> honestly, kind of a hard choice here as well. And then we have one more matchup, I do believe. University of Florida versus Michigan State University. Ben Hill Griffin versus Spartan Stadium. Uh, if you Spartan Stadium. So are we having the Swamp versus the Coliseum? Does it allow? Is it allowed to be called the Coliseum? Because L.A. Coliseum. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not sure. But anyway, yeah, we got some good matchups coming up. Certainly need your help. Vote on Twitter at BDT Football on Twitter over there, Uh, and also watch our show live. You can vote during the show. If you watch us on Twitch, big dudes in the trenches, all one word on there. Uh, any other links we want to shout out all of them? Or do we want to just throw them in the description of the podcast? If you listen on audio, you can find all the links there. Um, but honestly, I'm getting tired of talking. I think it's time to hand it over to my co-hosts to wrap up the show. All right, before I pass it over to Ben for our first dad joke in a while, guys, I, I have done it. I'm officially blind. I'm a zebra, and I have my first varsity football game on the schedule. Uh, it'll be September 23rd, so uh, the week after that, guys, uh, we can uh, expect a report of how bad I did and how many calls I missed. Good, good. Can't wait. Gonna be watching film of you, just so you know. Send so it. So if you're uh, if you are interested in potentially seeing some Madden content on Twitch, Big Ben underscore 44. That's all you'll find me there. Uh, not much different than my Twitter handle, so makes it makes it easy. Hey, uh, what is a car? What kind of car does an egg drive? Ooh, that is a good question. A Yolks wagon. God damn it! I hate all of you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have for the show today. Thank you for watching or listening, and just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win in the trenches.